You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. This is What the Heck with Mike Heck on MMAfighting.com. Now, here is your host, Mike Heck. What the heck? Well, hello there, everybody, and welcome to a brand new edition of What the Heck right here on MMA Fighting. I am Mike Heck, and I cannot believe that this is the 27th episode of the show. It's pretty crazy. Feels like this is like the third episode in a lot of ways, and some other ways, it feels like the 150th episode. But uh, all in all, I, I really appreciate y'all checking out the show this and each and every week right here on the MMA Fighting platform of networks, whether on the podcasting feed or Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, the YouTube page, etc. Appreciate it very much. Another fun one in store for you this week. Of course, UFC 253 is in the books. Israel Adesanya with a masterclass performance against Paulo Costa in the main event. He retains the middleweight title. Dominant, dominant performance. We talked all about it on Between the Links. Jan Blachowicz is the UFC light heavyweight champion. And if you told me that was going to happen a year and a half, two years ago, I would not have believed you. So I hope people can really appreciate the road this man took to become a world champion and the resiliency of that man in general. Because around three and a half years ago, Jan Blachowicz had lost to Patrick Cummins. And that was his fourth loss in five fights. So he'd lost four out of his last five. And he's come all the way back to win eight of his last nine. He's won his last four. He finished Luke Rockhold, finished Corey Anderson along the way to earn his title shot against Dominic Reyes for the vacant belt, and is now the UFC light heavyweight champion of the world. And as great as Israel Adesanya was, and he deserves all the credit in the world for his performance because it's one of the all-time great title fight performances, one of the all-time great title defenses, the Jan Blachowicz story is phenomenal and extremely underrated because of how good Adesanya was. And he is now the first man not named John Jones or Daniel Cormier in just under a decade to wear that title around his waist. It's just unbelievable. That's why this sport is the best. So when I see negativity and stuff about MMA, like why, are, I mean, I understand that there are negative stories and stuff, but why be so negative about the sport when you have stories like this? A guy who lost four out of five fights less than four years ago to come all the way back and become Let's be honest, one of the more unlikely world champions in UFC history. The man has done it. The man has earned it. And he did it all his way. Unbelievable. Congratulations to Jan Blachowicz and to Israel Adesanya. But it was, a, it was an interesting event. Got to pick me up for sure during the main card, especially the last three fights. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. This Saturday, the UFC is back with another event. I mean, I feel like this is a sentence I say all the time, and it will be until at least December 12th. But this Saturday, UFC Fight Island 4 will be headlined by Holly Holm versus Irene Aldana. Important, important fight in the women's bantamweight division. Aldana, if she wins, definitely going to get the next title shot. Holly Holm wins. It's going to be a circus, ladies and gentlemen. Main event, heavyweights, Jorgen Castro versus Carlos Felipe. Someone's going to sleep in that one. And then before that, another great fight in the women's bantamweight division. Jermaine Duranami versus Juliana Pena. Carlos Condit is back against Court McGee. We're going to be discussing a couple of the under-the-radar fights on that card coming up on the show. But before we do that, I'd be remiss if I didn't shout out a legend right now. 
the GOAT, the greatest photographer in MMA history, in combat sports history, maybe in all of sports. Big shout out to the great Esther Lynn who announced on the A-side earlier this week that she is no longer with us at MMA Fighting. She wants to create. She wants to be creative. That's who she is. And she's doing this on her own. She wants to continue to photograph. She wants to venture into the voiceover world, which someone who's come from that world, at least from a radio background and voicing hundreds of commercials, Esther is going to absolutely crush the voiceover world. She's going to crush it. She's going to take it over. Within the next year, you're going to hear her voice everywhere. So we had the Zoom call on Wednesday. It was like a virtual going away party because COVID and we can't all be in the same room together. It was just really weird being on that call. I mean, it was it was an honor to be there just because we're saying bye to, to Esther and she's a colleague, but just being on that call with with some of the greats from MMA fighting, the, the seeing the shoes that we've had to fill, the, the you know, the Ariel Hawanis, the Chuck Mindenhalls, the Mark Ramundis, Sean El Shadi, Ben Folks, and so forth and so on. The list goes on. They're all on the call. And uh, it was weird being like the rookie amongst these legends all over the place. And I got to work with Esther for six months. So this is like going on to month seven. And I've met Esther a couple times covering events in the past. Like the last one that we were at together covering for different outlets was in November at UFC 244 at Madison Square Garden. And uh, she's just so, so nice. Anytime I had a question or wanted to shoot the breeze, she's just so nice. It was just, it was just amazing. And then, you know, it's just an honor to work with her even for six months. It really was. She created all these amazing graphics that you see all over the place. And there are probably times where I just annoyed her to no end asking for, for graphics or this and that. And she never yelled at me once. And I, I completely appreciate that. And she will be sorely missed by me, by the rest of the MMA fighting crew, past and present, and the entire sport in general. So I tip my proverbial cap to you, Esther Lynn, and I speak for everybody when I say we wish you all the best in this next chapter and that you rule. Esther Lynn rules. Make that hashtag uh, a real thing. But uh, kudos on a incredible career. Hopefully we see you back. Hopefully you get to photograph stuff soon. And I think I speak for all of us once again when I say we can't wait to see the next photographs you take and the next commercial you voice or audiobook that you voice or touring a museum and hearing your voice reciting the historical benefits and background of all these great things. But kudos to Esther Lynn as we transition to the lineup for this week's show. And we'll get to our first guest in a matter of moments. Wrapping us up this week, William Knight. He is back home from Fight Island and he's back home with the UFC win under his belt. He defeated Alexa Kamer at UFC 253. We will recap his big night to put a bow on this week's show. Another fighter set to make his Octagon debut on Fight Island this Saturday is Jordan Williams. After getting a big finish on the Contender Series, he's going to take on Nasruddin Imanov at UFC Fight Island 4. He expects to make this a very quick night. He has his reasons why. We'll chat with the UFC's newest middleweight on the program in just a little bit. Casey Kenny is back in action this Saturday as well. He will face Haley Alatang. That should be a fun one at 135 pounds. The always positive former two-division LFA champ. Casey Kenny will join us this week and uh, 
little teaser for you. He wants to make this trip to Abu Dhabi worth his while. I'll leave it at that. It's pretty cool stuff. We mentioned the incredible performances of Israel Adesanya and Jan Blachowicz, but how about Brandon Royval, the raw dog, submits Kaikar France, just a second fight in the octagon, and this guy is in the mix for the flyaway title already, and what a perfect placement for this fight. It led right into the two title fights, and the fight was bananas for as long as it lasted. Brandon's still in Abu Dhabi, and he's gonna be there for at least another week, week and a half. So great to check out, check in with Brandon Royval. You'll hear that conversation coming up in around 20, 25 minutes or so. But first, it's been a, a few weeks trying to make this happen, but we finally got it done. Coming off an amazing main event fight a few weeks back with Angela Hill. Let's check in with the karate hottie, Michelle Watterson. She kicks us off this week on What The Heck. All right, we have Michelle Watterson on the show. And a few weeks back, she defeated Angela Hill in the main event of UFC Vegas 10. Have to be joined by the victorious fight mom herself on the program for the first time. Michelle, how are you? Oh, I'm amazing. Enjoying my family. We just got back from a camping trip, so doing good. There you go. I see you. You've healed up well. No more remnants of the fight because uh, you know <laughs> you guys had you guys went at it for about 25 minutes. It was a, it was a great fight. How are you feeling now physically? Oh, it's great. It, you know, I've been fighting for so long. When you're in the fight, your adrenaline's going. You don't feel any of those things, obviously. Um, everybody takes damage differently. But, you know, they were superficial bumps and bruises. They were gone within the week. And, um, you know, anytime you get bumps and bruises and you come home with the victory, none of that matters. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like we said, it was a very competitive matchup between the, you two ladies. It came down to the third and final judge. You're standing in the octagon just waiting for the name to be read, how much of a relief was it to hear Michelle Watterson is the winner of the fight from, from the ring announcer? Because that must have been like, woof. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you never want uh, to leave leave it in the hands of the judges. But, you know, when, when both people show up to... To, to compete that's what happens and it you know um i was i was confident i was gonna get my hand raised um uh, in my in my head in my mind in my heart um there was no other option but to win you've been a part of some some really good battles over the years but this is one of those fights that even a few weeks later it's still kind of carried over a little bit longer than your typical mma fight or main event because of how competitive and how gritty and and heart shown that fight was of course in an ideal situation you want to go in the octagon get a quick finish but to be part of a of a great fight like that that was universally praised and still is what does that mean to you well it means the world uh you know we we put our heart out on the lines for the world to see and when you're able to put together a, an awesome performance that um, people uh, always continually talk about, that's um, that's that's great. You know, we at the end of the day, we are here to entertain, <laughs> and especially in the time of of need, where people tune into tune into sports as a means of an, an outlet. For sure, I'll I'll put on my warrior spirit and 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 show show that us as you know as as a human race have that warrior spirit within all of us. And your division, if you look at maybe like the top 10, 12 fights of 2020, two of them are clearly in your division between your fight and then the one between Yuano and, and Wiley Zhang. Strawweight is on fire right now. I I tell people all the time the Strawweight division is the most uh, stacked division in the female roster of the UFC. Um, 
the girls just show up to fight. Not only do they are they full of heart and and will and determination, but technically um, very sound fighters um, with um, amazing resumes, even outside of the top ten. Um, and I constantly am reminding people of that. And the girls are too. Anytime they they are they are slated to fight, they show up to fight. I did pull lots of inspiration after watching Joanna and Whaley, you know, banging out for five rounds and and have that back and forth. You know, I'm I, I wanted to show people that I'm right there with them. Did you feel like a little bit more free and loose heading into this fight? Cause it seemed like in the fights with Joanna and Carla, I, I don't know if there's like something holding you, holding you back. Maybe you were so focused on specific game plans or whatnot, but this one, it just seemed like, okay, you know what? Let's just fight. Let me punch her in the face and we'll go from there. Like, is that accurate? Was, <laughs> was the approach a little more, more you, I should say? Yeah. You know, you, you, you hit the nail on the head. That's exactly what it is. I think, um, as as a fighter, w- when you start getting closer to the top, you can allow the pressure of um, of getting there, you know, overcome you, and you you become you can be. There's so many things that go into a fight. There there's the outside noise. There's there's the politics of it. There's the rankings of it. And then there's the actual fight. There's the mental side of the fight, and there's the physical side of the fight. And then inside of the physical, there's you know stand up, ground wrestling, jujitsu, cage work, you know groundwork. So there's all these things, and you can just become overwhelmed with everything, and the 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 trajectory of where your career is going to go if you go left or right. Um, and I decided to just leave that all behind, go in there and be in the moment. You know, my, me and my sports psychologist really worked on that. What is, why, what, what is it that you want to feel when you step inside that octagon? What is it that you, you know, what, what is it that you're after? And um, we realized it wasn't necessarily the win. It was the idea that I was able to implement the things that I've learned over two decades in a fight. And, and that's when I really am able to get in the zone and, and shine is when I can go in there and, and be a complete martial artist. And like you said, you know, just punch somebody in the face. <laughs> <laughs> how, how long have you been working with a sports psychologist, if you don't mind me asking? Um, I would say I think um, it was after my fight with Tisha that I started working with him and, and I, I hope that's the right time frame. <laughs> Sorry, Dr. Shannon, if that's not, but, uh, yeah, you know, he's been working with me. got, he got me through two wins and then, you know, we went through a rough patch. We had those two losses and, um, that's where you grow the most. And, uh, we, we kept working at it and just like the physical side of, of anything you, you put into, to, to play anything you are working on implementing it takes time and it takes practice it takes consistency and um we really needed to see um you know if these things were going to work uh when we were when we were low when we were down how could we get out of these these uh uh ruts that we were in how important is like visualization between your, with your relationship with, with the sports psychologist, does he tell you to, to visualize like every moment, like in the locker room when you're walking out, is it more than just the fight itself? Yeah, absolutely. And because, because it is, you know, if you talk to any champion, they'll, they'll tell you how important mental, your mental strength is. The, the fight is won or lost before you even step in the cage. It's, it's your, it's your physiology. It's your, your state of mind. It's, um, 
what you decide to focus on, your intent, your story, um, all of these things, they come into play. And it's not just visualization, it's, it's your imagery. You know, when you see, when you see Mike Tyson talking about how he's going to walk into the ring, you don't just see him talk about it. He takes you into his world and shows you, allows you to feel, allows you to see, allows you to smell everything that he's thinking. When Israel Adesanya is talking about what he's going to do, he does the same thing. When Conor McGregor is visualizing what he's going to do to be a two-time world champion in two different divisions, he's not just visualizing it, he's living it. And, and that's the difference between... Um, real strong mental game and, and, and a bit of a weaker one because you can visualize it, but that's just only one sense. You know, you got to be able to feel it. You got to, you got to feel what it feels like for, you you know, for my, for my glove to hit, to hit her face. I have to be able to smell what it is when she's bleeding. What does that smell like when I'm, when I have her up against the cage? What is it? What, what does her body feel like? What, how are, how shallow are her breaths when I'm on top of her? throwing those, those elbows, you know, what is my body language? Like when I get my hand raised, what is my body language? Like when I land in Vegas and I have to quarantine, you know, all those things. You mentioned some of the factors heading into the fight. One of them being outside noise. And I don't know how much you pay attention to like social media and what people have to say, but you know, this wasn't the original main event. And once you, it was announced that you and Angela were getting the bump up, it was met, I would say, with like mixed reviews at best. But to go out there and, and prove a lot of people wrong, was that on your mind at all to, you know, make people think differently once the fight ended? Being like, see, I told you we <laughs> I told you we were the right main event. I didn't know people were thinking that, you know, in my mind, I was perceiving it as, you know, a blessing in disguise. And that's how I took it. And I took it and I ran with it. I, I had full confidence that, that Angie and I would go in there and put on a show. Like I said, the straw weights always do. I don't know why anybody would think anything different. Um, but I think you become a bit numb to the outside noise uh, um, as long as you've been, as long as I've been fighting. You know, if you, if you allow that stuff to um, get into your head, it is a huge distraction and it's a huge waste of time. You got your brown belt after the win, which was really cool. So congratulations on that. It was just a really cool moment to see. I love when that happens after these fights. Did you expect that to happen, or did it catch you completely by surprise? Yeah, uh, not at all. Not at all. Um, definitely honored. Absolutely. We've been working on our jujitsu game for, um, quite, quite a long time. Um, and, uh, uh, definitely was part of the game plan, but you can never force those things to happen. You know, um, uh, yeah, for sure. Honored. I don't feel like, you know, I guess it's one of those things. Like I still feel like I'm not undeserving of it. I feel like, um, I have lots of work to do, but, you know, I guess the journey from brown to black is, is a hard journey as well. So I'm not going to complain about getting, getting promoted. I'm just going to, you know, keep my head down and continue to grind and continue to learn. It's a great moment, but it's like a little humbling at the same time. It lets you know that you still have some, some room to grow still, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. That's why I love MMA. You said after the fight, that you wanted something next to get you closer to the belt. And, you know, it looks like Zhang is going to fight Rose Nami Yunus in her next title defense. Carla Sparza and Amanda Hibas have agreed to fight on December 12th. Joanna is still kind of hanging out there, but you just fought her around a year ago. There's Tatiana Suarez, but she's been hurt. So kind of a w interesting spot for you to be in at the moment, is it not? 
It definitely is, but like I, I, you know, I'm not going to complain. Um, I, like you said, I I want to take a fight that's going to get me closer to the belt. I don't want, I'm not interested in anything else. Um, so I honestly, <laughs> it's been kind of a crazy year, and um, I'm I'm staying ready. And uh, you never know, you never know what will happen, you know. So we'll see. A lot of people like everyone's matchmaker after these cards. And one of the names that kept getting brought up for you, which I don't know if it makes any, a lot of sense to you is Mackenzie Dern, because, you know, she bounced back with the Amanda Hebas fight. She's got a couple of quick finishes. She's moving her way up. But again, since the division is filling up, there's not a ton of options for her either. So what are your thoughts on that potential matchup? Should that be brought to your attention? Um, it doesn't make sense to me. I think um, I'm, I'm at a different spot um, in in terms of how close I am to the uh, to the belt versus where she's at, um, and that's 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 no jab at her. She's been doing amazing. She's an amazing jujitsu player and has been able to utilize her her skills to to get her where she's at now. I just I do think that I'm in a different spot than she is. Makes sense. And then you know we we talked about how exciting 115 is and. You know, you're there in Ioana, we mentioned all the names, but now we're seeing, you know, fighters like Mackenzie, like Amanda, start to make their names up the up, up the ladder as well. So how exciting is that for you, knowing that there's just so much talent within the division, but now it's emerging as well. You're going to be busy. You're going to be motivated for the next couple of years, fighting some some fresh faces as well. Yeah, it is motivating. And I always tell people that, you you know, you can't just um, keep your eye on the top 10 of the division because these girls at the UFC are signing, you know, already come with a very, very impressive resume. And, um, you know, they're hungry to get to the top and the faster they get to the top, you know, that's that's their that's their ultimate goal. I always, I always tell people it's like the Highlander, you know, there could be only one. And uh, uh, <laughs> um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, I. I um, I'm super close. And so my focus is, is, is the top. And obviously you always have to, you know, check, uh, check your back and make sure that nobody's coming from behind to, 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 to sneak you one. But, uh, <laughs> my eyes on the prize ahead of me. When do you want to come back in a, in an ideal situation? If in a perfect world, when would you like to fight again? You know, it really depends on, on what is, what the landscape looks like. Um, in, in a little bit, um, it is kind of, like you said, it is kind of in the, up in the air. So, you know, maybe, maybe before the end of the year, um, maybe the beginning of next year, we'll see. You mentioned the Highlander reference, which was phenomenal by the way, but, uh, I thought, I, I think I saw an interview you do with pop culture and you said that one of your goals in life would be to appear in a Marvel comics movie. Cause that's pretty cool. My kid loves Marvel movies and Marvel comics and stuff. Why Marvel? And, and what would that mean to you? Should that opportunity come your way? My daughter is like a huge Marvel fan. She knows all the movies. She can quote, you know, all all of the the the, the cool things, and she knows all the superheroes. And she likes to stay to watch the secret endings. And they they spend hours watching um, all the little secret nuggets that they have. Um, and I just think it would be super cool. Um, you know, I, I I do believe my daughter already thinks the world of me, but. I, I do think it would be a little uh, cherry cherry on top for for her to say my mom's a superhero in 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 Marvel, um, and you know Marvel's like you know Marvel's like the top of the top. 
What would be like cooler for her? You being in a superhero in a Marvel movie or you becoming a world champion? I don't know. You'd have to ask her. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Are you, are you like a movie buff yourself? Like, is there, is there like a movie that comes on the television that no matter what time of day you're watching it, no matter what, you're never going to change the channel? Um, you know, we don't have cable. we don't have cable, but we do have Netflix and like Amazon Prime. Um, and so I, I have a bad, um, habit of binging on things kind of as my way to kind of, uh, wind down at the end of the night. Um, one of the series that I've been watching a lot lately is, um, the 100. I think it's like a really, really fun and interesting show. There's, there are tons, you know, Dexter was one of my favorite, obviously Breaking Bad that they filmed out here in New Mexico. Um, Ozarks. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I'm listing off the things that, 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 you know, that are like, man, those are classics. Um, let me see. Yeah. But those are the kind of the ones that I can think of off the top of my head. Last thing before we let you go, I'm, I'm curious because this fight, I looked at the calendar. I'm like, man, this is going to be here before you know it. But uh, the next big title fight, Habib versus Justin Gaethje on October 24th. As a fighter and as a fan, I'm sure you're as excited as anybody else to sit down and watch that one. But uh, how do you see that fight playing out? Do you have any kind of an idea, any prediction? Man, that's going to be an amazing fight, honestly. I um, I hope for it to go all five rounds. Um just, you know, from a fan's perspective, to be able to see two masters in there duking it out for five rounds, I do feel like it'll be very technical. Um, you know, I think Khabib really surprised me with his with his stand-up in, this, in his last fight. Um, and uh, I think Gaethje really surprised me in, in his last couple of fights, not, not giving in to his, uh, uh, his uh, emotional impulse to, to stand and bang. Uh, so, uh, uh, your mind can change. It's one of those fights where I feel like we're going to be teeter tottering. So on this day, what's your gut telling you? Gaethje. Whoa. All right. All right. Tomorrow could be a different answer. That's just one of those kinds of fights. But, uh, listen, your fight was phenomenal. It was one of those main events that, it's going to be like an on this date kind of a fight. Like every single year is going to be on this date. Two years ago, Michelle Watterson and Angela Hill fought in the main event. It's just one of those classic fights that people are going to be talking about for a long time. So I'm glad we we're able to do this. Thank you for the time. All the best to you and the family, Michelle. Really appreciate it. I appreciate that. And, you know, that's that's all I want is to be, you know, is to have a legacy when when all is said and done. First time I've had the chance to speak with Michelle Watterson. She's just... She's just a delight. Just good people. Definitely in a very interesting spot in a loaded, exciting division right now. She wants to get up those rankings. But as she sort of laid out for us, she might have to wait a little bit to see how some of these fights in the division play out. I think the Carla Sparza, Amanda Hebas fight is going to be an important one. Like I know Michelle and Carla just fought, but if Amanda Hebas beats Carla Sparza, I, I know people will be like, you know what? Let's just give her a title shot. Let's just get her right up there to fight Zhang Weili. I'm not necessarily in that camp because Amanda's a up-and-coming star. You don't want to slow down the momentum. You want to keep building her up a little bit. So I think if, if Amanda Hebas defeats Carla Sparza, that shoots her up the ranks in a big way. She'll probably move into the top five. Then you do Hebas versus Watterson, main event, 
and we go from there. But uh, great interview. Glad we got the chance to do this. So let's talk to one of the big winners right now from this past Saturday night at UFC 253. He set up the two title fights beautifully with a second-round submission win over Kai Kara France. Let's say hello once again to Brandon Royval. All right, what a night it was for Brandon Royval. He submits Kai Kara France in the second round with a guillotine choke at UFC 253 this past Saturday night in the featured bout at 125 pounds. Huge night for Brandon, and it's actually turned out to be an even bigger stretch of time for his nickname, The Raw Dog, but we'll talk about all that right now with Brandon Royval. How are you, man? I'm doing good, and yourself? I'm doing great. So you're still in Abu Dhabi. You're still on Fight Island. How are you... Uh, Enjoying this extra time there, I assume you can walk around a little bit more and see the sights because you've already done the whole quarantine thing, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I think Alex and I went to the beach like all, like yesterday. So I think that's where I'm gonna spend all tomorrow, just at the beach and just hang out. The UFC has like a really cool setup out here. Um, we didn't, we didn't explore it before because, like I said, it was just quarantine and uh, we were staying on Denver time, which is like uh, the opposite time. So we didn't. I haven't even been in the sun until yesterday. And the day before that, and we pulled like twenty four. We we pulled like an all nighter, uh, like right after the fight. Well, like it was like an all dayer because we were sleeping in the day. But uh, and then uh, we uh, we uh, went to the beach all yesterday, and so I'm I'm trying to go back to normal time before Yusef's fight, and then I'll switch back when Yusef comes back. But uh, I have that like ability because I've worked overnights my whole entire goddamn life, so <laughs> I'm pretty good at it. You know what I'm saying? But all the rest of them are like they just woke up now and stuff, so. Yeah, I'm like I'm kind of switching off with everybody right now and just getting to sleep when I can, kind of thing. So when do like, you when you go back? I feel like back in the old days. Uh, I go back right after Yusef's fight in like two weeks. Oh, so you're here, you're there all the way until oh, okay. So you have to stay out there because you're cornering. So if, so if you were cornering, you say if Yusef is fighting on the 17th, would you have to stay out there the entire time until the 17th? I think they might let me fly back, but it's super expensive for uh, tickets out there. So. Um, and they were saying like, if, if the, I would have flew back, I would have already been like, I would have one day before I had to be back to Las Vegas and all that. So there was no point in me staying all the way out there. And I would want to go on a plane, fly away to Las Vegas, stay in Las Vegas and come back. But, yeah, that's true. Man, that, that fight was, was crazy on Saturday night. I mean, that, that, that first flurry is what everybody's been talking about. He clips you, you hit him back, he hits you back. And then you land that freaking spinning back elbow that that clipped him it was just one of the wildest exchanges that you'll ever see in a fight when he (laughs) when he clipped you with that first punch i guess like walk me through whatever you can sort of remember from that point and like what's going on through your mind as this flurry of craziness is going on so i never really like lost consciousness or like didn't know what was happening the whole entire time i knew what was going on i knew i was like oh fuck (laughs) i I knew that like hit me in the head that like hit me right off the bat is uh I'm in a bad situation right now, but, uh, the first punch, like when he hit me, he, he rocked me for sure. Like, it wasn't like he like, not like, like I originally kind of thought he knocked me off balance, but like, I kind of remember the middle of it. I'm like, Oh shit. Like, like he's gonna, he's gonna come finish. like try to finish me right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, uh, a little bit of like what's going on through my head too, is like, as soon as I got hit, I was like, like we, we worked the whole entire camp. Don't circle right. Don't stay right in front of his fucking right hand. Cause that's the only thing. That's the only like thing that's going to make the difference in the fight. Like the, the fights, the fight could be yours the whole entire time. Don't stay in front of that right hand. And like, as soon as I got hit, I'm like, fuck, I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but as soon as he hit me, I, like I hit that knee and then, uh, I went to go pop right back up and I fell right back down, which I, I didn't know that part. Like that's the part I didn't remember about that. Cause I thought he hit me. 
he came to finish me and then that's when I caught him. But yeah, he came, he came running up on me and he ran up on me. I just walked right into it, which is like the greatest thing. And literally, this is literally what like went through my mind. This, this is how like desperate I am to be making money out on these streets, bro. Is that the, <laughs> the moment I hit him with that back elbow, I'm like, 50 G's. <laughs> I was like, I was like, there's that bonus, baby. And uh, even, even if like, even if like, I, I guess I didn't finish him right there, but like, even like nothing happened, that was exciting there. I was like, that 50 G's is ours for sure. Cause all the rest of the fights were kind of boring before then. So like right in my head, I was like, yep, that's mine. And like, so it, 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 that's kind of like all like the first thoughts that were going to my head is like, oh yeah, we're making money this way. I even said that to him like at a certain point in the fight. I'm like, oh yeah, we're getting these 50 G's, baby. So the, one of the things that was kind of in question with the fight is after the, the spinning back elbow and that exchange is the knee. He's down, there's the knee. And it looked like in, in real time, like it might've been illegal, but they didn't show the replay. And then John Anik said like, probably a couple minutes later, he goes, we're, we're being told by the, by the production truck that the knee landed on the neck and not in the head or the face region. So it may not have been an illegal knee after all. Where did that knee yeah. land, if you don't mind me asking? It did. It did. It landed like right here in the neck. I saw, I saw the replay of it, and that's the only reason I know why. But that being said, is like it wasn't because my intentions wasn't to hit him in the face. Like right. I was on – I got hit. I got hit, and I was reacting. You know what I'm saying? And like uh, that is like a pure fight. In, like, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm not like one of those dudes I think about the rules when I'm fighting. Like – if, if you're like hands on the ground and I'm thinking about throwing a kick, I'm throwing the kick, man. Like, and that's just like, that's what it is. I'm going to fight. Like, I don't, I don't do the whole tire. Like, I mean, like I do it, like I try to follow the rules and like, by, by all means, I definitely want to follow the rules. And I definitely don't want to hit him in the knee in the face while he's on the ground. But that being said, I'm, I'm in fight or flight mode, man. Like I'm not one of those dudes that like, I'm very conscious of what I'm doing out there. Like, it's not like when he hit me, I'm like, Oh, he's going to walk into his back elbow. I'm, fucking flying by the seat of my like i'm just as surprised i landed as all you guys bro and like the moment he dropped i was like knee boom you know what i'm saying and like that's the second time in my career where i barely like like i tried to knee someone when they were possibly on the ground and like i barely missed it and it could have made a difference because uh, when i fought jerome rivera uh i kicked him and he fell over and like the cage the cage stopped him from him hitting his ass on the ground but like if like i he could have been on the ground for all I cared at the moment. Cause like I was going for the finish, you know what I'm saying? And like, that's all that hit like my instincts is like, I went to go knee Jerome Rivera in the face. And like, I didn't know if he was on the ground or not, but like, I didn't have time to think about it. And I just went for it, you know? And same thing with Kai Carr Francis. I didn't have time to think about it. I dropped him. He's running up on me. And all I could think about was knee. So I threw it, you know? And uh, like I said, I, I tried to hit him in the face and it like, it, like I really, I really was trying to hit him in the face with it. It was a, it was a miss more than anything. And I'm so glad it missed because one, I, like maybe I could have heard him and ended the fight in like an illegal way, but uh, or I could have got DQ'd too. And like, those are two things that like, I don't want to do necessarily. But that being said, is it was not out of like, oh, I, I went to knee him in the neck. It was, I was going for his face and it just happened to hit him in the neck. And I, I lucked out there for both of us, I guess. Wow. So it was a, it was a good miss. Like they say, like it was, really good, miss. It, it was a really good miss. And I'm grateful I missed the shot for both of us because I mean, I, I don't think he got hurt. Like, I think that he probably would have ate it. Kai Car France is a tough guy. You know what I'm saying? But like the, the ill intentions were there for sure. Like I was going for the face, like for, like for sure going for the face, happy I missed because we would have, I, I would have gotten in trouble. The fight could have been over or whatever happened, you know? And like, I, I don't know. When you're, when you're covering these events and you're working for a site like the one I work for, there's like a million things going on. So you're watching the fights, plus you're like trying to do other things and get ready and write up articles and all this other stuff. So yeah, bro, I, feel, I feel for you guys on that because I, I was questioning that too because I'm over here trying to watch the, Al, the Alan uh, or the, the race fight 
And I'm like, you guys have to interview me. Like, how are you going to interview this dude when you're watching? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm trying to watch a fight. Like, <laughs> like, I don't know how you guys get shit done there, man. It's crazy. Yeah. Jose, our, our boots on the ground, just, just crushing it out there. But like, I, I remember between the first and second round, Mark Montoya is talking to you and he's giving you advice. And basically it's what you alluded to earlier. Like stay away from his right hand. Like you're doing great. And then he threw it to Alex and that's where like, I lost it or they went to the other corner. So I didn't hear what Alex said to you in between the first and second rounds. He's the newest member of your team, but obviously you guys mesh well. So Mark threw it to him to give you some advice. What did Alex say to you in that moment? He, he first off, it was funny. Cause he like, he, he came to me, he's like, like right, right after the fight, he's like, I, he, he like passed me the torch and he wasn't ready for it. But he, he reiterated what Mark said, which is really what I needed the most is I need to circle right. And I need to stay away from that power hand. Cause once I get hit, bro, I go in fight or flight mode and I'm just starting to fight. You know what I'm saying? I'm walking forward no matter what it is. And I think I, it was still a little bit the same with that for the second round, but uh, he was just saying circle right. And then as soon as we get clo- like in close, man, he goes, your elbows are there. Your elbows and your knees are there. And that's what we were kind of game planning is Kai Carpenter's dips a lot. And, uh, and like, like he dips to set up that right hand, which is perfect. And that's what he does really well. And, uh, but I can time him and like, not only can I time him on that knee is more importantly, I can just keep him afraid of what I'm doing. You know what I'm saying? Like I can just keep him guessing. And like, next time he wants to go throw that right hand, he's going to second guess that he could dip into that knee. So he was just saying when he comes in close, throw the elbows and knees. And that was like perfect advice too. It was just like, so they, they, they didn't give me like a ton of advice. They just gave me like little, little key notes to stick with. And that's exactly what you need. Cause my mind's already overloaded in that, that situation. But like, literally when i went back to that corner i like i felt so good man i felt like like i was having fun in there like for sure i like i knew at that point i'm like 50 g's are ours for sure like we're definitely scoring like these like, like i thought i thought i got dropped twice i didn't realize that i only got dropped one time in that round but i thought i got dropped twice and i knew i dropped him twice so i was like damn we're getting money for sure like so and that, that point i was already just having fun and enjoying the moment and uh I already knew, like, I was like, this is a good fight for sure. Like, this is definitely like a good fight. And I've never had that in my head where I was like, in like, we're in the middle of a fight. And I'm like, damn, this is a good one. So that was cool. And I'm not, I'm not disrespecting anybody else that was on the card, but we needed that so badly because I feel like the yeah. action slowed down quite a bit. Maybe it was yeah, just it was a competitive matchup. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was not a good, like, like nobody was going, like nobody was going for anything that whole entire time. Like, like right when I walked out, uh, Alex turned to me and he goes, you're talking about making this bonus. He goes, this is yours for the taking. Like, this is your bonus money. There's nobody out there took that money. He goes, it's your time to go take that money. And like, literally I went out there and I was like, I knew I was going to make 58,000 extra dollars. I already knew it. Like I know who my partner, uh, who my opponent was is Kai Car France. And he's going to go over there and try to murder me. You know what I'm saying? And the same thing, you know, like, uh, like vice versa. And I think he thought like a little bit in his head that I was going to try to shoot on him. And I knew I was like, I'm not going to fucking shoot on this guy. I'm going to go strike with him. And that's how this fight's going to go down. I'm going to go out on my shield or whatever, but I knew I wasn't going to shoot. And if it goes down to the ground, it's because I dropped him or he dropped me. And like, that's a little bit what it was, but he ended up shooting in the long run. So. Yeah. Were you surprised he shot? I mean, I understand no. that you were hurting him a little bit on the feet, but was, were you surprised that he actually shot on you when everyone expected you to shoot on him? No. Um, I, I knew I was touching him up on the feet and like, like he, he smoked me with that right hand. He definitely landed the better of the punches. Like I think, uh, I, well, maybe not like, like as far as damage though, I think he throws the harder punches for sure. Like he's a harder hitter of this too. There's no questions about that. But, uh, I think I was piecing him up. You know what I'm saying? I think that he had that one moment where he landed and he was landing like maybe a couple other hard shots, but I think for the most part, like I was, I was whooping his ass on the feet. Like, I think I was taking it to him a little bit. And, uh, um, that's what they were saying. My corner was saying that. And I was telling him like, it's not going to happen, but they were saying like, uh, 
uh, before the fight, they're like, he's going to get desperate and shoot on you. He's like, he's, you're, you're going to overwhelm him and he's going to shoot on you. And I think that's what I was saying in our interview too. Yeah. Like, I think I'm going to overwhelm him. And uh, I, I was saying it because I was reiterating what my corner was saying. I didn't think that he was ever going to shoot me, but like what my, what my, what my coaches were saying, they're like, yeah, dude, he's definitely going to shoot on you. He's going to get desperate. He's going to take a shot and that's when you're going to finish him. And that's exactly what happened. And uh, I had, I had probably like three of my tournaments already said, they're like, you're going to get a guillotine on him. Cause he's going to shoot. He's going to shoot on you. And then you're going to wrap that up. And that's going to be the end of the round. And I was like, sure. Like maybe. And uh, so when, when he did take that shot on me, I didn't necessarily knew I had, no, I had the guillotine, but I knew the fight was over in the sense of like, I knew I had him like, like not where he was. I knew he wasn't comfortable at that point. Like if you're shooting it on me, you're shooting it on a black belt and you're a striker. Um, I know that you're not comfortable. You know what I'm saying? I know that, that, uh, I'm getting the better of this. And I, I like, I, I felt that in the middle of the fight too. Cause like, there's a couple of times like where he'd hit the cage or like where I back him up and he was hitting the cage. And I was like, Oh yeah. Like I'm winning this shit. Like I already knew, like in my head, I was like, I'm walking him down. Like, and like he was throwing heat and I was just like, I, I didn't really care at that point. Like I already, like, he smoked me with the right hand and like that hand, like, like he hit me right across the chin. That's a perfect punch. That's the perfect spot to land a punch. I didn't go out. And I was just like, all right, well we're fighting now. Like, uh, like I'm, I'm walking him down. If I get knocked out, fuck it. And if I don't, like, I didn't think I really was, you know what I'm saying? I was like, I took the best shot he had for sure. Like smoked that right on the chin. Like that couldn't have been in any worse spot. And, uh, it was loaded right hand. Like it couldn't, like everything was like, first 30 seconds i took everything he had pretty much so i was ready for the rest of the fight you know what one thing i was kind of interested in seeing is if the fight played out the way you thought it would you'd get a finish you'd overwhelm him is like how would you react to it because going through and like writing articles about you and like going through photos that we've taken of your first ufc fight you're not happy in like any of them like even when you won it's just like you're like oh, i looked like crap like i'm not even happy with my performance but like this is what i was wondering i'm like how could he not be happy with this and then you're talking to john anik and like what do you want next and you're like i was gonna call it a top five guy but i'm not gonna do that because i got dropped twice like i'm like what is happening right now were you not happy with the performance like yeah, i'm sure you're happy to get the win but were you what would you grade at that point like as you're talking to john anik what are you grading your performance even though you got the finish if i'm grading the fight and hey i'm grading the fight an a plus for sure because i knew it was a great fight and that's what right. i was happy about i knew i knew when that fight and that bell rung and i just i got that uh i got the submission i was like that's 50 g's baby and i was like even at that point like thinking in my head i'm like based off what these next two fights happen, I'm double bonusing today. I'm making a hundred thousand dollars. Cause I knew I just fucking threw a back elbow after I was rocked. And I was like, that has to look good. Um, I, I like, I went for a go-go right after like words. And I was like, this is like everything off that, like was just flashy and good. And like, I, I think I, I dropped him with like a jumping switch knee or something. Like, I don't know what I dropped him with next. I mean, I've been able to watch this fight. Uh, cause I've been stuck in this goddamn hotel. But, uh, <laughs> I've never watched this fight again. So like, I like, I think I hit him with a jumping switch and he was dropping the second time. So like after I won the fight, I just knew I was like, all right, well, I don't have to go back to working. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that kind of like grazed my head. And then like, but as far as me, I just know, I like, you don't want to go out there and get dropped. And like my only, the only thing I was supposed to avoid is not walk right into his right hand. And I did that 30 seconds into the fight. And I was like, well, I'm an idiot for doing that. Cause like, that was, that was a dumb move. We knew exactly what he was going to do and he did it. And like, for me to allow that's like just shows a little bit kind of lack of fighting IQ and uh, a lack of like uh, of just being disciplined in like in, in this in the moment, you know what I'm saying? And uh, which is like something I like I like not doing, too, is because like I fight a little free, you know, and like me, me being not disciplined allows for a back elbow, allows for a fucking a go go plot on like, you know, what I'm saying it's just it allows for me to be a little bit more free. 
But that being said, it also makes me walk right into a right hand. You know what I'm saying? And uh, that's what happened. And uh, I don't know. I, like I said, I, I just I had it like I had to process everything. I knew it was a good fight and I knew I was going to make extra money for sure. I knew that like whatever happened was good. And I knew that I just took the number seven spot in the UFC. So it was all good things in my head. But that being said, is I know that that's not what uh, like a Conor McGregor on the rise looks like. You know, like Conor McGregor didn't get dropped in any of his fights while he won the belt. You know, he was just winning belts. Like, so I knew that like that's not the way I wanted to be. You know, and uh, if you compare yourself to the greats, which is if you want to be good, that's what you need to do. Is that wasn't a grade A performance, but it was a fucking grade A fight. You know, like. It's interesting because like, you know, we've talked about your mental state and like how you approach fights and you don't want to be there a lot of times, but then you get in there and it happens and like you're here and then like part of you's here, but I feel like with this fight, it almost caught up in a way because yeah, you get to be free, but you're still not thrilled because you want to be at a certain level, but you also don't feel like that you belong in that space from time to time. So like, it's kind of weird for you to try to like find that happy balance. Do you feel like this fight helped you take a step towards finding that? Yeah, yeah. And well, and here's here's another thing that like helped me out too is like like after the win is uh I know Brandon Moreno didn't go out like Brandon Moreno didn't go drop Kyra France like that, like let alone twice in a round or with a back elbow and a flying knee. Um Pantoja wasn't doing that when he beat Kai Kara France and like like Tyson Nam knockout artist, fucking the great Tyson Nam, man. He wasn't he didn't drop him like that. Like I don't even know if Ty uh, Car France got dropped in the UFC so far. Maybe by Brandon Moreno, but he didn't get dropped as cool as I dropped him. You know what I'm saying? So I knew, I knew that I had the better performances than all of them. Besides me getting smoked, but like, uh, here's another cool thing, and that this is what I was thinking too is, uh, um, this is like the least nervous I've ever been before a fight. But I think this is like a quick, the, one of the quicker turnarounds I've ever had for a fight, where it's like I almost fought like 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 what you want, like at, like after like four months or something like that. And like me getting used to it is getting like that, like situation where it's like, Oh, I belong here. And like, it makes me feel a little bit more at home in the octagon and stuff. And uh, so that was helpful too. When I was walking out there, I didn't like, I didn't really have that, like turn to my coach and just like, bro, give me the fuck out of this situation. As soon as possible. Like, let's go. Like, what are we doing here, coach? Like, you're supposed to be looking out for me, man. I'm about to go fight somebody on TV. Like, what are we doing? You know what I'm saying? Like, it was like, one, like normally it's that situation where like that time I was like, damn, this is fucking cool. Like, I'm about to go fight before Adesanya and, like, I'm going to go fight in, before, like, uh, the middleweight belt and, like, before all this stuff. And, like, I don't I don't know, man. It was more of, like, me embracing a moment and I thought that was really cool. And I think that comes from just fighting back-to-back and, like, having that, like, that, like, uh, that real close, like, close to fighting where, like, before it's, like, been me fighting every nine months or every year almost, you know, once a year or, like, maybe twice a year if I was lucky. But, uh, yeah, that, that was like the closest turnaround I've had in years. So that was super cool for me. And like, that was super cool to kind of go in there and not have that fucked up mind state that I had. And I think it like having like the number nine spot in the UFC at that moment helps out a little bit too, because I think a little bit before then was like, well, if I lose this fight, like I might get cut from the UFC because I never saw my contract. I just signed a fight. And like, it didn't necessarily say a three fight contract or anything. It just said, you're fighting Kim Elliott on this date. And like, when I read through it, I'm like, fuck, do I get cut after this fight? Like, what happens? You know, if I lose this fight, am I getting cut? And, like, now I'm, like, I'm number nine in the world. They're not going to cut me if I get my ass whipped on this fight against number six or whatever, number seven or whatever. So I, I kind of went in there, like, a little bit, like, a, like less a, less problems on me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't think I was going to go in there and, like, all right, this is the end of my career kind of thing. Yeah, you opened up a lot of eyes. Dana White was singing your praises in the post-fight press conference, which was great. But one thing I noticed is that, 
Kai Kyra Francis teammate Israel Adesanya decided, you know what? I'm going to steal his nickname. I'm the raw dog now. Not Brandon. I'm the raw dog now. This is my thing after beating Paulo Costa. How did you react to all of this that your your nickname has taken on a life of its own here? I know. I, I came in there, I think, uh, four months ago as raw dog, and then everybody else is raw dog now, too. It's like, I've been raw dog before these guys ever got their weebies touched, and I'm over, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm over here getting put in the back seat now. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I don't know, man. It's funny. It's funny that like it kind of took that little bit of a light for him. And like it sucks because I don't necessarily know if Darren Till like started the raw dog thing on his own or he actually heard my me like go out on raw dog and then like he kind of ran off that too. So like Darren Till and uh, Adesanya obviously have way bigger fan base and way more clout. And more importantly, they could both whoop my ass, which is like very unfortunate for me, where it's not like where I'm like, well, I'm raw dog and what are you gonna do about it? Like strong arm him out of it. Like so I guess. They're raw dog and um, the gorilla bender, or the last gorilla bender. I don't know, man. I gotta steal something to build, I guess. I don't really know how that's gonna work. It's funny because, like, when you made your debut against Tim Elliott, like nobody knew, like, what the nickname was. They laughed at it. That's why I asked you, like, the following interview after the after you won, where the nickname came from, and people still kind of cringe at it. But now it's like you know, the one of the best fighters on the planet. Want to take it from me? It's crazy. Your nickname's gotten so much play in the last four months than it has in your entire career. Right, right. And like, like I said, I think, I think like a little bit of it. Like, I don't know if Darren Till like heard that nickname and then kind of like like made a joke off of it and then turned it into his own thing, or if it was like him saying he's in a raw dog, uh, Mike Perry's girlfriend, <laughs> and then just thinking, and then it, him just like fuck it, I'm changing my name to Raw Dog now. But uh, that being said is I felt like that fell like by my wayside and now, now people stealing my nickname. And I thought like that was one of the more original things that I've ever had is like the, the nickname. I've never heard anybody be called Rod Dog before. And I've had that nickname for like since I was in like, like my first couple of fights. So I don't know, man. It was kind of like a, it's, it's cool in a sense. And like it helped blow up my name because I'm getting tagged in all these like Adesanya things and Darren Till things constantly. And like, so like it helps like blow up my brand. So it's like rebranding for myself in a sense. But that being said, is like like I hope they don't stick with that. Like <laughs> like it was kind of my first assholes. Like what are you guys doing? <laughs> <laughs> so social media, I would assume, has grown quite a bit since Saturday yeah, and even yeah, the Tim Elliott fight. Yeah, it blew up, man. Which is kind of cool. Um, it's a little overwhelming, but uh, it's also really cool because that's what you want. And that's what like as fighters, man, as like a marketing system is you have your social media and that's kind of how we do it, you know? So, uh, that, that's been really cool, man. That was like a really cool thing that's happened. I have like fake brand Royval profiles and now. Oh man. Is that, that's, is that Alexander the great? He looks like a 35 or huh? He looks all small. Yeah. That's what they asked him. They asked him, they're like, Hey, uh, yeah, yeah. Costa might, uh, Paula Costa might not make weight. Can you step in for me? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, we're worried about him popping for steroids. So, you know. You know how people can be. It's crazy. William Knight, <laughs> poor William Knight is all jacked up. He's doing things right. And everyone thinks he's on steroids too. It's crazy. <laughs> right. That pull, that pull is big, though. You know what I'm saying? He's a big no, man. He's a big boy. He's a big boy. So now yes, you're. But the funny thing about being me is I don't think anybody's ever accused me of being on steroids at all. <laughs> I don't have a goddamn muscle on my body. <laughs> well, you don't need one. You're, you're showing all us muscleless people you don't need muscles to win fights. Right. 
So you're in this interesting spot right now where like everybody wants to match make for you. Like it's, it's a cool position to be in. That means you're going places when everybody has suggestions and, I know, and, and nobody suggestions. ever said it. And, and nobody's saying like, go fight, uh, go fight, uh, Mark Dalarosa or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like nobody's nobody. saying it. like, it's always everybody above me, which is really good. Cause that that's, that's what I would need it. And that's like, like my whole entire goal is like, all right, you got to go out there and make a statement. Cause nobody wants to see you fight a top five opponent unless you go out there and make a statement and everybody's like, let's go fight someone up. And that's the coolest part about all this right now. Yeah. Cause you mentioned Asker Askarov. You mentioned Juicier from Miga. I mentioned Men- Menel Cape. I think that would just be so fun having two guys who came from different organizations meeting at just the right time, two former yeah, champions. Champ, champ, uh, champ, yeah. Champ. yeah. So I think Cape and, um, um, Asker Askarov are fighting each other. So now I want Benavides, our, uh, our, um, uh, for Amiga still. So that would be cool. Uh, it'd be cool to fight Benavides too, man, just cause that's some dude that, uh, I don't know, man, like that's a name in itself, but like, if I could get that opportunity to fight him, that's would do wonders for me and my branding, you know? Sure. Yeah. So that would, we, do, that would do, that would do wonderful for my branding of the style bender gorilla. Now <laughs> you better trade, you better trademark that raw dog and do it fast. That's a bitches, huh? They're all going to try to take it. Adesanya's got that championship money too, man. It sucks. I know, right? You're trademark out by me. I'll let him out by them for sure. <laughs> all right, there you go. I mean, at least, at least you're being given here. Um, yeah. How close do you think you are to a title shot right now? Do you think you're like one win away? Like if you fight for Miga or you f- even get like a Benavides fight, if you go out that's, there and do it again, are you are you next? That's title contention, right? Like I have to be somewhat close, but I mean – I get that, like, like I feel like I haven't paid my dues necessarily. Like, I feel like maybe I was, like, a little bit thrown to the wolves. And, like, the fact that I'm able to go answer that call is awesome. And maybe it will lead to, to like, a quick title shot. But I also, like, see, like, maybe I need to go, like, pay some dues and, you know, like, earn my earn my keep a little bit more. But, like, I don't see if I go out there and fight Benavides and go put on a show, why I wouldn't be here. And, like, that being said is I'm out there putting on performances. You know, that was a fucking fight and a half. Like, I was – like the homeboy homeboy has power and like i was i was walking him down walking through the power you know what i'm saying and like like uh like I, i've been trying to tell people for years like i'm an exciting fighter man i bring the like i bring the heat people see that i'm exciting and like just jujitsu wise and like you only seen that because motherfuckers don't want to strike with me people don't want to people don't want to stand with me anymore like that's one of those situations like where like you get to see a little bit of my striking you get to see like my little bit of mentality in my head like when i when i get when i get in danger you know and like uh, I already knew, I already knew like what, what was going to happen. And I already knew like that, like I'm an exciting fighter and it's really cool. Cause I'm getting that love behind me now. And like, I'm having people write, like that's the most exciting fighter in the flyweight division right now. And like, I'm getting like stuff like that. And like, I get that's just like stuff that I see right there, but like, it's cool. Cause I haven't really got too much hate on this fight where like my last fight, people are like, you're a bitch like this, this and that. And, and like, even before the fight, like before the fight, you got to think about this, bro. I have 5,000 followers on Instagram, way less followers on Twitter before this fight. And these dudes are telling, like, fucking tagging my name in this, like, Brandon Rovell knocked out first round. And I'm like, bitch, I see this. Like, I'm not Kai Car France with a big following. Like, Kai Car France doesn't have to see haters, bro. Like, he has a bunch of people following. Like, I have to see this. This is like a direct message to me. Like, I see this motherfucker saying, like, you're going to get slept tomorrow. Like, like, you motherfucker. But, like, I don't know. Like, like now, now that I have a little bit of following, like, I'm seeing nothing but good stuff. And, like, it's really cool, man. It's really cool to see all this. And, like, I'm so happy. And, I don't know, man. I just hope I can keep showing out and putting up performances, you know, and keep getting money more importantly. (laughs) Yeah. Look at you. All this, all this bonus money. Have you, has that first bonus check cleared yet before you got the second one? Yeah. 
Yeah, the first bonus check, bonus check clear. I haven't done anything with it, but it's just sitting there. So, I mean, I, I'm such like a, a pansy when it comes to spending money and stuff. So, I'm sure it's never going anywhere. <laughs> well, there you go. When do you want to get back? Like, is this a, you want to uh, get right back in there? Or? I want to fight December. Um, I'm kind of worried. Like, like I said, I got clipped in that fight. Uh, so I want to like play it smart too. I've been fighting since I was 16 years old and training with like monsters and a professional fight team since I was 16 years old. So like. I don't know. I want to watch out for my head a little bit. So I'm not sure if I have any like concussion symptoms. I don't, I think I'm okay, but like, I don't want to risk going back to training super early and getting punched in the face and stuff. Like I want to crack mitts and I want to drill and I want to do jujitsu and stuff. But like that being said is I don't want to go out there and risk unnecessary punishment. I, I, like I said, I've, I've seen people's careers. I'm a huge boxing fan and I don't want to be one of those guys that stumble even more than I already do on my sentences, you know? A couple more things to let you go. One, are you interested at all being a boxing fan and all of this and seeing Conor McGregor box Manny Pacquiao? Does this interest you in any way? Um, I think it's a bad matchup for Conor McGregor, man. Pacquiao's a <laughs> fucking beast, bro. Like, I don't know why he'd want to fight Manny Pacquiao because Manny Pacquiao's like, one, he's small, but that motherfucker got power. He's, he's, I think he's on some Mexican supplements. He fucking goes so fast. Like, I, like and like, he's not like a... He's not as calculated as Floyd Mayweather where he's going to chill for three rounds and then let Conor McGregor work. Like, that fool's going to try to piece him up in the first two for sure. Like, I don't know. Like, uh, like I get that. That's a money fight and Conor McGregor's been making money. But, like, that being said, you want to go out there and get smoked by a 125-pound fucking Filipino boxer, you know? November's going to be interesting because we got the title fight. We got Alex Perez versus Brandon Moreno. Might have Manel Cave versus Askar Askarov on that card as well, which I heard that might be the fight as well. Who wins the title? Who walks out of who walks out in November with the title? You think Cody Garbrandt can do it, or is Figueredo gonna do his thing and send Cody back to 35? I think Figueredo's gonna pull it off. I don't know if he's gonna send Cody back to 35. I think 25 is a really good thing for uh, Cody Garbrandt, but I think Figueredo takes care of him and like handles him. But I think it's just like when I think about Figueroa, I think that fool can just take a punch. He's a madman. You know what I'm saying? He's going to throw fucking as hard as he can. He's going to wing it. Cody Garbrandt's a madman too, but I don't think he'd take a punch like like Davidson can, man. That guy seems just like he's cut from a different breed and has a different mentality. And I think that he pulls it off. But I think I give the technical aspect to Cody Garbrandt and the speed to Cody Garbrandt. So I don't know, man. And like, you know, he has power too. So it's like what really wins is the flyweight division in general because like that fight's not going to be boring and it's not going to be like a, a mighty mouse fight where he's just so good and he's so dominant that like people don't find it entertaining anymore where i think it's going to go back and forth and people are going to get dropped and the crowd's going to uh, i guess they're not going to be a crowd but everybody's going to be oohing and on the whole entire time you know well i think everyone's looking forward to seeing you back in there brandon it was an incredible performance on saturday outstanding bonus well deserved i thought you might have get got the hundred g's but Unfortunately, the two title fights ended in the second round as well. But outstanding performance, man. I'm very happy for you and uh, looking forward to seeing what big name is going to be standing across from you next, man. Hell yeah, man. It's awesome watching you do big things too, man. We're on the rise together still, bro. Let's keep going. Just a huge, huge win for Brandon Royval. Another 50 Gs going in his bank account. Really excited to see what is next for him. I, I like the Joseph Benavides idea. Juicier Formiga is a fun idea. I said on the post-fight show, and I said it during the interview as well, I love the Manel Cape fight idea. Royval versus Cape is ridiculous, but as Brandon stated, and I can confirm this as well, although it's not 100% done yet, the direction that the UFC is trying to go is booking a fight between Manel Cape and Askar Askarov 
sometime in November. The date, not 100% set in stone yet, but that is the plan as of right now. We're, we're very close. Date, still up in the air, but looks like Cape versus Askarov is the fight that's going to happen at 125 pounds. It should happen at UFC 255 because why not? It's already a flyweight showcase, but uh, that's the direction they want to go. Roy Val gets anybody in the top five is just a ridiculous amount of fun. So congratulations to him. Casey Kenny returns to the octagon looking to build upon his first round submission win over Louis Smolka back in May. Takes on Haley Alatang this Saturday in Abu Dhabi. Here is my chat with Casey Kenny while he was in Las Vegas. I think the day before he's getting ready to hop on a plane and, and fly to Fight Island. Here it is. All right, we got Casey Kenny back on the show, one of the positive voices in our great sport in a crazy year like this, and we need all the positivity we can get these days. He's off to Fight Island shortly, takes on Haley Alatang on October 3rd. Casey, good to see you, man. How are you? Hey, nice to see you as well, but uh, you hit it on the head there. You got to spread some positivity, right? Absolutely. So you get to uh, you get to stamp a passport here. You get to be part of a, a unique circumstance, a, a unique environment. I'm sure you would rather avoid the travel and just fight in Vegas. But uh, but still, you get to be a part of something memorable like this. This is pretty cool, is it not? Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, fighting in Vegas close by is always great. But uh, to be part of history, part of Fight Island, you know, you can't beat that. And, uh, you know, I'm excited. A flight is uh, no big deal to me. So uh, let's go make history. Well, you're going to be in this the, the lap of luxury almost in that plane with all the comfort and stuff. So you get to be nice and relaxed anyways for an 8,000-mile trip. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it could be a worse flight. <laughs> yeah. So you're coming off that that great win against Lewis Smolka, first finish in the UFC. It was it was a fun fight while it lasted. It was everything you kind of hoped it would be, but then you put him away just over three minutes into the fight. Did you feel like this is a statement win for you, that you opened up a lot of eyes with this one, that you put the Bantamweight division on notice, especially coming off your first loss in a few years? Yeah, um, you know, obviously everybody's looking for the finish. It was my first finish in the UFC, and I felt like I – you know, just went out there and did exactly what I needed to do. You know, not that my first two wins in the UFC were, were easy and I was off or anything, but to put somebody away and to do it the way I did, you know, pr almost uh, a flawless victory. Uh, I think everyone started to realize like, oh man, this kid is for real. No bonus though. Like getting the win obviously is the most important thing, but you don't see a lot of one-arm uh, like guillotine chokes finishes in the first round these days were you a little bummed about that because i thought you were right up there as a as a favorite to get an extra 50 g's there yeah uh, i thought i was gonna get the 50 g's too um however you know it is what it is I, i'm looking to get the next one uh but uh who doesn't want the 50 g's so uh you know yeah like i said it is what it is but i definitely thought i was in the running do they kick you a couple extra bucks though because i know the ufc likes to do that from time to time yeah, I got the standard, but, you know, uh, I was hoping for a little more, but eh, I'll go make it next time. There you go. So you're getting ready to, to head to Fight Islands. You're in Vegas right now. You leave tomorrow. It's Thursday as we record this to fight Haley Alatang. And I'm sure you were ready to go. You're the kind of guy that was was ready if a fight came up in a week's notice or three days notice. You were ready to jump in there. You thrive on this chaos that we're in. But you had a little bit of extra prep time for this one. Are you happy with that, or do you do you wish you got a, a quick, short-notice fight like you had the last time? 
you know, I always like to get back in there and make it a short notice one, but you know, there's times where it was good to have a camp again, you know, um, you know, I was a little bummed that it was so far away when I first, uh, was told, but Hey, it's, it's all right. You know, I took the summer and, uh, kind of or the rest of the summer and kind of did my thing and, you know, got better, uh, made some improvements, uh, like I'm always trying to do. So, um, uh, you know, like I said, it is what it is. There wasn't much I could do about it. You know, the only thing I can go do is knock this dude out and try to fight the weekend after as well. Wow, look at you. That's a, that's a smart way to look at it. You're very advantageous, Casey. <laughs> so that's that's the goal. You know, uh, I'm not looking past uh, Alatang at all, but there's a lot of band weights uh, the following weekend, so why not stay on the island? When did you find out about this fight? When, were you, when was it offered to you? Um, I mean, it's probably been about 12 weeks now. Um, originally, it was... Um, going to be in vegas september 19th and that was when ufc 253 was still going to be there um a couple weeks after i got that call they moved the fight to october 3rd i believe alatang couldn't get a visa to the like the united states or something along those lines um so anyways we got moved and uh it wasn't a big deal for me but um now we go to fight lion you know fight island it is is this the longest like I don't know if like your training camp was 12 weeks. I mean, you're already working and staying in shape anyways, but is this like the longest stretch of time between putting pen to paper and actually getting in the octagon since you've signed with the UFC? Uh, it's pretty close. After I fought Bermudez, you know, that was in August. I didn't fight Marab till February. So, and I was ready the whole time, you know, just, it was kind of just the way things worked out, you know? Um, but actually the first thing I did when I, got the call it was going to be pushed two weeks back and i had just started camp is i i took a little vacation i went to visit some friends in california and i had a you know long weekend there i was like oh, i got an extra two weeks you know 12 weeks is way too long i got i need like 10 <laughs> there you go what did you do to to sort of relax and, and just uh, kind know, of put fighting behind you for a sec i have a few drinks uh you know normal stuff eat some good food uh, nothing too crazy, but, uh, I was, it was, uh, I was trying to do a little bit more, but it was, uh, you know, kind of during the, the heat of the, the pandemic type thing. So everyone was, you know, I didn't want to go travel too, too much. Do you try to take some time throughout the year to, to, to do things like that and get away and at least try to get your mind off the fight game for, you know, a day or two, maybe three? Oh yeah, I'm I'm all about balance, man. Uh, you know, after the fights, you know, I'm out having a good time, eat, eating what I want, uh, still training, staying ready. But uh, you know, I'm enjoying this whole thing. Um, you know, even the in between time, um, you know, I love to fight, but you know, I'm having a good time. Um, you know, getting better. I'm living life. You know, in between fights. So yeah, of course, uh, all about balance. So Haley's got experience, but you have more. UFC experience, more octagon experience than he does. Cause I mean, I was like the, the UFC is, is a different animal and you've been on big pay-per-view cards. You've done the short notice thing. You've even done the COVID era turnaround fights with no crowd. Does your UFC experience outweigh his overall experience? Uh, you know, I just think the, uh, well, not only the experience in the UFC, but you kind of hit on the head just even before I was in the UFC, the level of competition that I had, um, before I got to the UFC, like I've been fighting UFC caliber guys for, I feel like my last, 
you know, 10 fights. Uh, so I think that's going to be, you know, where the experience wise, where I'm ahead, you know, uh, obviously he's got more fights than me. Um, not counting him out experience wise, but as far as like the level of competition, I don't think he's even comes close to, you know, the level of competition that I've been across. You were supposed to share this card with your teammate, the man with arguably the best hair in mixed martial arts, Kyler Phillips. And last check, Kyler was was without opponents after uh, Dana Batgarel was forced out of the fight. He had an injury. And I know the UFC was trying to get something going and, and, and keep him on the card. But is he is he traveling with you guys on October 3rd for the October 3rd fight? Came out of Kyler's room, actually. So uh, I'm assuming they're gonna get somebody. I, we don't. I don't have a, a a for sure name yet, but uh, he's here. So I'm I'm assuming they're planning on getting him somebody. There you go. Outside of like the experience itself, how do you like this matchup? Like, does this check the? Because you like to get into exciting fights. You you like to check off all those boxes for excitement. Does this one do that for you? Yeah, uh, for sure. You know, uh, I feel like Alatang comes forward tries to tries to knock you out and you know that, that makes for an exciting fight you know the last couple guys uh smoker was one you know he, he brought the fight to me and uh i think if you bring the fight to me it's going to be a short night for you so uh I, I like those i like those kind of fights man it's going to be exciting do you like all this quarantining stuff because like i mean do you get the hook up with with your own training rooms and i'm sure abu dhabi is going to be similar but you strike me as a guy that that kind of likes this stuff. Like you get to sort of march to the beat of your own drum. Like you're not on any kind of a schedule. You don't have to sign in a time for you to go train. Like you can just do whatever you want essentially in your own space. Do you, do you enjoy this part of, even though it's chaotic, do you like this? Yeah. You know, I feel like obviously being in the room by myself was a little bit different uh, yesterday, but I feel like fight week's a big quarantine anyways. You know, you may get out, uh, once or twice during the day, but most of the time it's like sitting around the hotel room waiting for waiting to do something, you know. And uh, it the well, I still got to experience this one. This one's gonna be a good one, you know, with the the Abu Dhabi quarantine and everything. But you know, the Vegas one, it, it felt pretty similar, you know, other than you know the testing and stuff like that. wasn't much different than a normal fight week. Uh, you know, maybe not walking down to the lobby with you know all the other guests and stuff in it but um you know i like it i like fight week you know i get to sit back relax hang out with uh close friends close coaches and uh you know i just try to enjoy you know whatever they put in front of me i mean the vegas quarantine can i guess be kind of tough and now you look out and it's all lit up i don't even know where you guys are at out there but abu dhabi they tease you with these rooms and you're overlooking the beach and you're just like man i'd love to like get out there and jump in the water or sit on the beach is it gonna be a little a little tougher for you or are you just gonna have to like shut the shades and and try not to let it distract you yeah that was my biggest thing is like i'm all the way over there in abu dhabi dubai is close by like can i leave yaz island please can I just go out and explore, like, even after the fight? And, uh, you know, it looks like I'll need to make a trip back there at some point. So, uh, you know, that that part was, I was, uh, you know, wishful thinking um, when, when I first found out about this, that I'd actually be able to get off Yaz Island. But, you know, I got the little info packet about Yaz Island, and it seems like they, you know, they got a pretty cool little setup there. So um, I'm excited to see what, what they got for us. How do you get this thing done, Casey? Looking to make it two straight? I know you want the bonus, so maybe two straight finishes spread over 8,000 miles. Yep. How do you get this thing done? Uh, 
man, if, if I don't put them away on the feet, I think I can get it done on the ground too. Um, you know, first, second, third round doesn't matter. Uh, I'm in shape. I'm ready to go a full fight. But um, if he goes away early, great. If he wants to make it a dog fight, I'm going to try to put him away late too. And you want to stick around. We want to do this thing. Maybe yeah. get you two, three, four fights. Just do it away and sign up for the weekend after. That's my goal. I love it, man. See, the positivity. We need. We, we needed this. We needed the smiles. We needed the positivity. We need the, the, all this great stuff, Casey. I appreciate the time as always, man. All the best to you. Safe travels to Abu Dhabi. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing this fight, man. Hey, thank you very much. Uh, appreciate your time as well. And I'm sure we'll uh, talk soon. Good stuff right there. And can you imagine if Casey Kenny gets his wish, right? Legends can be made on Fight Island. Look at Hamzat Shemaev. So if Casey Kenny does what he wants to do, if he gets in the octagon on Saturday, gets a quick finish, and then turns right around and goes again next Saturday and gets another finish, that'd be huge. Absolutely massive. That'd be something else. But he needs to get past Haley Alatang first. And that should be a hell of a, a Bantamweight scrap on Fight Island. About two fights after that Bantamweight fight, Jordan Williams will make his UFC debut against fellow newcomer Nasruddin Imanov in a middleweight bout. Jordan makes his what-the-heck debut right now. All right, what a couple, of, a couple of weeks it has been for Jordan Williams, who got on the Contender Series once again, got a huge finish and a headline spot over Gregory Rodriguez, and now... Already has his Octagon debut set for October 3rd on Fight Island against Nasruddin Imanov. Jordan, good to see you, man. How are you? Hey, Mike. I'm doing great, man. Like you, like you said, it's been a couple of crazy weeks, but, you know, it's been a good crazy in, in this type of aspect. Absolutely. Uh, congratulations, obviously, on getting the contract. Third time was certainly the charm. You arguably, and I've said this to you before, you should have gotten contracts in your previous two appearances this finished a couple of weeks ago this is a universal no-brainer once you got it how did it all feel in that moment knowing that it was pretty much a certainty you're getting a contract you just need to wait another 15 minutes or so for dana to make it official <laughs> i mean well it was like an explosion that's how my feelings were just like a big bomb just went off in every part like my mind my heart you know uh, everywhere uh, but you know to be honest with you man dana he's a hard cat to impress man i didn't know you know, I, I was doing the praying hands. I get backstage like because I've we, we don't we seen him uh, do like a, de a development deal or no? It was like he sent someone to the tough house after a heavyweight after he got a spinning back fist knockout. So you never know, you know, like that was an impressive knockout to me. But he sent them. He said, "Let's put some more work with you." But you know, I finally once he was doing that conversation, he said he respected me. Uh, as soon as he said, "Hey, I respect this kid," I was like, "I knew." But then I, could, I was starting to ease into the situation. Yeah, it was, it was Josh Parisian. I remember that. And then uh, I think it was like his fourth or fifth fight. So they just wanted to make sure he was he was good to go. Oh, like ready. Yeah. yeah. But you, I mean, you've been there. That was your third time there. I mean, the first, you got a, a finish in the first fight. Second one was just this all-out battle that I thought you won. And even in a loss, you still should have gotten a contract. I thought this – I was just like, welcome to the UFC. This is a, this is a done deal. But you just never know, right? <laughs> Yeah, you never know that, and that that's the fight game, you know. So it just gets you ready because now I have that much more of a heart and a drive and the fire to make sure I finish my opponent or just leave it all out there. 
when did you know about the contender series fight? Because it seemed like it came together really quickly because I, I Gregory was supposed to fight mm-hmm. Nasserdine on that same card and then you got slotted in. It's all coming full circle for you. But when did you know about this fight? Well, uh, I didn't, uh, I was supposed to fight Jordan Wright August 11th. And then I broke my knee three weeks before that fight. Like, apparently you can do that. I broke my patella and they were worried. Uh, and it was a, a avulsion fracture, a piece of the tendon uh, or my tendon detached from my patella. And I took a piece of bone with it. So we were in limbo. I, I was supposed and then I, then I was supposed to fight Jordan right October 6th. And then they pulled him up to the UFC once they pulled instead of me. But then I, I realized why I was because it was at 205. I'm not a proper 205 guy. You know, I can't weigh that much. And then uh, so I was in this. So like for two weeks, I was like in limbo. My, my manager was like, hey, we're going to try and find you a fight. Stay ready. And then two weeks later, they said, hey, Gregory Rodriguez, you know, 13 day notice. So it was on the 2nd of September that I found out and I just jumped in and said, yeah, let's do it. So how long did it take to, to heal up the knee? Because it seems like just describing it, it seems a lot more painful and it would take a lot more time than obviously it took for mm-hmm. you because you're supposed to fight in August and then you end up turning back in September. How long did it take for you to, to get cleared and, and get ready to fight? Uh, it was uh, it was about like three to four or it was like four to five weeks before it was kind of. At, it was it, it was at like a doable range, you know. When I went into the Gregory Arrugas fight, I'd say my knee is about eighty-five percent, you know, at that point because I just did a, a workout last uh, last week and we were carrying a, a buddy partner carry, and then after I was like, "Yo, I gotta, I gotta stop." My knee was starting to aggravate, or get a little aggravated. So it's not a hundred percent yet, but we're still we're working and we're getting there. Um, but I did I, I did heal obviously quick enough to do the job on the 15th so if it was 85 percent for that fight we had like 90 95 percent now or still around the 85 yeah. range i i think we're um if i wouldn't have felt last week that pressure in my knee i would say i would have said we're at like you know 95 percent. but i say it was, was like 85 90 we're still probably getting a little bit better like again it's gonna be it's gonna be totally fine to take on the nosidine so we had spoken in the beginning of March, it was before you were supposed to fight Kyle Stewart, and it was pretty noticeable that that you had lost a good amount of weight. You were you were on fire in that conversation. It was one of the ones that stuck out to me, and you were <laughs> pondering a move to 170 pounds. You, you weighed in for the Contender Series fight at 181, which to me, after that conversation, that didn't surprise me at all, but you took mm-hmm. the social media a couple of days after the fight, and you, you said that weighing in below that number was kind of a bit of gamesmanship on your on your end is that true yes yes i weigh like 190 195 right now so but um when you get closer to the fight i still i what i said before it was it was like exactly it was gamesmanship because i didn't lie i don't like to cut weight and it's that's true because i like to manage it i'm a professional you know like if you're if you're 10 15 pounds over the day before weighing, like can you really call yourself a professional across the board you know it's like you're not going to compete like a, a professional. So I like to manage my weight. I've learned how to cut weight and uh, like throughout the years to the point where it's not really cutting anymore. So it was, that was totally a move on my end because let's say uh, the day I flew into Vegas, I weighed 189 on the check. They may be weighing and check in. 
And that becomes like more, one, um, 189 to 188 becomes like my walking weight, like kind of like before like weigh-ins. And sometimes I'll weigh in at 185 in the morning of weigh-ins. So what I, what I did was I weighed at 188, 189. Uh, the day of, uh, and then that was Sunday. Monday, I'm cutting weight. I do a one-mile run, easy, one mile with a sauna suit. I jump in the sauna for like 20 minutes, and then I weighed 182 on the scale. They're oh, like, I cut a little bit too much weight. And so I thought to myself at that point, it wasn't even a plan at first to do what I did. I, I, and then so I thought to myself, like, oh, I could like, I could weigh in like this. So I, I drank like four pounds of water or, or fluids or I ate. I got my, my body weight back up to 186. I went to bed, woke up on the, on the day of weigh-ins at 185. Or excuse me, uh, yeah, 185. So I, I did the same thing. I ran one mile. Uh, sat in sauna for 25 minutes and I weighed 180. So then uh, I sipped on a, like a pound of water until weigh-ins. The, the, the people see me weighing at 181. And then like and within an hour later, I was like back up to 188. So it was like, uh, and the reason why I did that is because uh, the whole world and Gregory most importantly thought that I was going to be weighing 181 sopping wet when I come to that fight. And he had about, you know, 10 to 15 pounds of extra man to deal with that he wasn't expecting. My immediate thought was, oh, man, he really is going down to 170. Like, is, he- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. is that still like is that still I mean, you, you've got things to worry about. You're not even thinking about that right now. But is that something that you're you're still pondering at this point or are you, you're good with 85 now? I mean, I said in one of my posts or in my post fight interview that, you know, if Dana wants me to go in the one seventies, I would, but honestly, it's like, I don't want to, I think, I, I think I got the, the I, I think I got the one eighty fivers number down, you know, and it, I haven't been, I've been touched so much like Ramazan, like he, he, he hit my face so many times that I was like, like ugly, like, you know, like the, the, the waitress on the, or the, the stewardess on the plane, she, she was like, she walked past me. She said, like, oh, sweetie, like, do you want a drink? You know, we'll get you a drink. You're like, well, hey, he needs a drink, a double. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I was like, yo, I look ugly right now. People are offering me free drinks. Like, dang. And But the point I'm making is I didn't get rocked once. You know what I'm saying? And uh, uh, Gregory Rodriguez, we all saw how big of a monster, potentially roiding out monster. I don't know how he gonna pass that drug test but man i mean and if that's all natural rodriguez gregory kudos to you man i could i could never get like that you know but we i just took him out knocked him out first round and i took all his i took his best his best punch which was his straight right i took it like five six times i just still walked him down didn't do anything to me so i really feel and the only time i've been knocked out uh against was against dwight grant and i was that was at 170 Mind you, that fight, I did have uh, a popped blood vessel in my eye. I had a blood, like my face just cleared, like the last sparring session of that training camp, I was uh, sparring with Fluffy Hernandez on, on, on a different UFC fighter. And he, uh, we were going a little hard, you know, and, and exchanging. And he got, he, he just got me in the eye. And then my eye just went, and then I blew my nose and then went, you know, and then I had a black eye. For a couple of days, and then I finally cleared up before I faced Dwight Grant. Then I go into Dwight Grant, cutting weight with a popped blood vessel, 
in my head, and then I get knocked out. So I, um, I think 185 is working out real well, you know, and, and my knockout rate is not too bad either, five out of six opponents. So, you know, I think going against the bigger guys is a smart move because I'm not, I mean, I'm not cutting weight. I'm managing it, as I said, but these guys are obviously cutting weight. And Gregory has a great chin. I mean, he got dropped one time before, but he's a strong dude. And uh, the old, but that night of the fight, he had a weight cut chin. So, you know, if I'm going to be fighting these bigger guys, you know, and the, the bigger they are, the more of a problem I know they're going to have to deal with that weight cut during the actual fight. Even if they make weight, that weight cut's still a problem for them. Yeah, and you got the, uh, a, a crazy quickness advantage, too, which you can see in the, in the Rodriguez fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, that was a plan. That was a plan to use my quickness and the, the forward pressure, get him tired. Because even when he was landing those big shots... I just had to steal. He was taller, so I had to steal press forward, get inside, and you know I was gonna have to take a little a little damage to get close. And so I just had to use my my quickness and my gas uh, my gas can to set up you know what my my third weapon, which is my my power in my left hand. It's been a I mean it's been a crazy year for you. You had two fights booked in March, and they both fell out due to injury and then to to COVID. And after that, I know you were having a hard time finding fights, but. At some point, maybe like in April or so, were you getting worried that a fight may not happen for you until like way later because of all the craziness going on? Obviously, the door opened, you sprinted through it, but were you starting to get worried? Well, yeah, and, that, and that's why I sprinted through that door, as you say. Uh, it, my managers had to search far and wide, which they did. People were dropping out. They had to beg Mitch, the, the 185 weight manager, or um, uh, what do you call it, the, the matchmaker, to, to bag us back on contender series and that and a lot of it was because like you said like dude it's getting close to april this we can't find this guy a fight you know dana put the, like i said dana put that golden star on me that says like this guy deserves to be in ufc i had an eight i had i had an eight and three record it's not the prettiest you know um but people still they they listen to dana more than my record so it was, it was really hard i was getting really worried and so that's why i did a 100 meter dash through that bitch and then just like that, the UFC turns you right around. You're off to Abu Dhabi. We're recording this on Thursday, so you're heading off there tomorrow, and you get to do some mm-hmm. world traveling for your Octagon debut. How excited are you to to get over there and be a, be a part of something unique like this for your first fight in the UFC? It, this excitement is a two parter because it, it's Abu Dhabi, it's Fight Island, and what more could you ask for besides fighting like UFC fight Island is bigger than UFC right now because of the magnitude, because of what it um, just, you know, it's making a live stance and live entertainment during this pandemic, you know? And uh, so that's obviously exciting, but you know, dude, I've been chasing the hot girl at school called UFC for over two years now, you know what I'm saying? And this girl the, the only two times I was able to stop her in the hallway, she rejects me. One via, like, Dana White. You know, she she rejects me in Dana White's voice saying I ain't good enough. And then, you know, she rejects me the, uh, the second time by letting her friends, a.k.a. the judges, say, hey, he's he, he lost. Get rid of this guy. So, now, like, so whatever the reason was, the, the UFC is, like, the hottest girl in school. She's been rejecting me. And then I, the third time I stop her in the hallway, not only does she – acknowledged me but now we're going on we're, we're going on dates she's like doing like like touching me i'm like oh my god like like 
they're way too fast. You know, the guy who's too, the guy who's ch- chasing the girls all of a sudden turn around and say, ah, ah, this is way too fast. It's also soon. But then it's just like, nah, uh, you catch yourself. Like, ah, oh, this is exactly what I wanted. The, uh, the, this is like now it's give, they're giving me a chance. I'm just excited to have a, such a quick chance to prove to them that I actually belong in here. How long after you got the, the, the contender series win and the contract did you find out about this fight? Okay, so that night after I was – during my post-fight interview, they asked me, like, hey, so what do you want to do? What do you want to do with this new road, this new career that you have with UFC now? Like, what, what do you envision yourself fighting? How many fights do you plan on getting a year? And they asked the same question to Danielle Wolf, and she said – she totally averted the question, didn't answer. She's like, hey, uh, I just want to get back to the gym. I want to get back to the drawing board, work on what I need to work, talk to my coaches, uh, advise a new game plan, and just like get back to get back to work. And like so, okay, so you're not gonna tell them what you want to fight. And then me, when I go up there, I was like, hey man, like the doctors gave me like a four day layoff of training, but that that I have enough time. I heard Abu Dhabi is going on for uh, for four weeks. I would love, I would love, you know, to go out there, you know, I was like, and uh, of course I threw in some wit and was like, you know, look how pretty I am, you know, <laughs> just be, just like, I was like, I was like, look, I was like, look how pretty I am right now. I, uh, uh, like, you know, I don't plan on this changing, you know, I could fight right now. And then, so that, I think that little bit of flair at the end, they're like, within 12 hours, dude, I was not even home yet. I, I'm driving. I almost crashed. I get a text from my manager. He's just like, you want to fight October 3rd? I'm like, Doing the math, like that's Abu Dhabi. He's like, yes. I was like, no effing way. I just asked for that like less than twelve hours ago, and now they're giving it to me. Like, like what? Like so? Like I found out before I even got home. That's crazy, man. William Knight was telling me the same thing. That's how he found out about his debut coming up on Saturday. Mm -hmm. He didn't even land in the plane when he got home. When he landed, he turned his phone on and already had the fight offered, and it was the fight exact fight he wanted too. So it's crazy how these things come full circle. do you know much about about Nasruddin? Like, I mean, he's got five wins in a row, four finishes during that streak. How familiar are you with him heading into this fight? Um, one of those finishes happens to be a knee to the body. So, I mean, and I watched that fight. It was like the lightest, smallest knee. I don't know who he's facing. You know, um, he's got like a Kamara finish, a ground and pound finish, a rear naked finish. So, to me, it seems like. Uh, and from the video I watched, he he is a tent, uh, a good striker. You know, he's got some quick. Uh, he's got a quick straight right, and he uh, he's got a good counter lead hook. And um, like I said, in the end of clinch, he got that clinch knee finish. So I feel like his striking is there, uh, but he gets the job, gets the finish on the ground, and it's like good luck, good luck. We just watched a a Brazilian guy tw- all, like. Way bigger than you, Nasadine. Tried to take me down. Didn't get me down. Shot me with his biggest punch. Pretty sure it's bigger than yours. Didn't do nothing. And um, that's why I feel I feel real confident going to this fight because he's not going to be able to get it to the ground. That's where he that's where he finishes his job. And you know what? I got a stronger chin than Rodriguez. I got a I got the, some confidence, the momentum going down, and and I just I, I just feel this is a great matchup. This is a good matchup. It's a good matchup for both people because he likes to go backwards in his fights. He likes to circle a lot of movement, and I just like to go forward. So it's kind of like who executes their game plan better, which I have the confidence in my skills to do so. And that's that's pretty much what I know about Nasuddin. About and and the fact that he bitched out of fighting Rodriguez for whatever reason, injury. 
complications with camp, whatever. He he pulled out and I went in and I went and did your job for you. So now you gotta face me. And like that's what that's what like come on now. That that I'm riding off my confidence, the momentum, and the fact that he was a little, you know, not strong man this to, to continue on with the fight. I mean look at you. You got the girl now and that comes with a little bit, of, a little bit of swagger. <laughs> what can you say, man? I mean, the girl doesn't, and the girl's gonna have to pick someone with some swagger. Yeah, I mean that swagger. I mean, between swagger and Fight Island, we've seen some some new stars emerge. Like, like look at Hamzat Shemaev. I mean, this guy went yeah. on Fight Island as an eighty-five, went up to eighty-five, got a quick finish, turned around real fast. And now look at him. He's getting ready to have a main event in his third UFC fight. Like, what what have you made of kind of his surge lately? Because, you know, you're the new guy on the block. That's got to give you some extra confidence knowing that you just need a couple of couple of wins and say the right things. And boom, off to the races you can go. Yeah, it's expiring. It's expiring. And, you know, I'm going to I'm going to go into that race like like the lightest, fastest jockey in there, man. It's going to. You know, it's 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 just inspiring. You know, watch him, and then hey, he's at one eight five. So it's like, you know, I could probably face him. You know, so it's it's fun. It's fun to think and compare with yourself at a level that I was never able to do before. I mean, obviously, you do, and you play with that imagination, and you tell yourself that, and that's how I got to this point. But now it's like, now it's like I'm actually here, and uh, the comparisons are a lot more realistic. A lot of people are familiar with your story, with with your battle with type one diabetes, and you know you've gone a, through a, a lot of different things to try and get ahead of it as much as you can. I know it's impossible to like stop it, but you're trying to find different ways. And you know, not only did you get a win on the contender series and a contract, and I get your first UFC fight booked, but I know you recently did an interview with a fellow New Englander, Joe McDonough, and you revealed that mm-hmm. you got yourself a, a, a tremendous donation. From from a doctor. For those who don't know, what happened and how big is this for you? This is the biggest moment of my career. It's just as big as getting that UFC contract because, I, like I was telling Joe, um, every doctor I've met, they either directly tell me I shouldn't do it or they indirectly tell me by saying, oh, well, you know, you bleed easy and you're going to get tired sooner because you're like the complications with your blood and your in, in the blood flow and everything, you know, it's, I will just reconsider you what you want to do with your life. And to that point, I fought through all those naysayers, professional, medically um, advised naysayers to a point where one who specializes in diabetes, he is an endocrinologist, like he mainly does diabetes. So like all those other doctors are like family medicine practitioners, you know, just like the run of the general run of run of the mill doctor. This is a specific, mainly case by case with diabetes type of doctor. And he told he reached out. I was like, dude, uh, first of all, I'm so proud of you. And, and he reached out to me after my last contender series series five. But I, like I didn't really I forgot to like respond back to him. And he said something about like about like, hey, I got like, you know, I could well, let's maybe talk about like uh, getting insulin out to you. So I really like this offer was here before the win. I just he he re uh, or he reached out to me again, and I saw the message like, oh, oh, this is the guy who was trying to offer me for insulin. I was like, hey man, like yeah, and uh, we connected the dots, and he's like, dude, I would love to send you insulin. I'm about to send you a three months worth supplies, um, Humalog and Tracebo, and just let you know. These are the medicines I was never able to afford. Like, uh, uh, I, not since I was like 22 or 21 when I got off my 
parents' um, health insurance. The, uh, I was never able to afford those same medicines again, which is why I went to Walmart. It's human insulin, not dog insulin, human insulin, but people with a dog who has diabetes can use this same insulin because of the, uh, you know, basically because of the quality and the strength, you know? So now I fought through the point to where being a fighter is actually healthier for me. And now I'm getting top of the line insulin for free. And this guy, and my man, Craig Perlman, he offered me like, Hey man, just let you know when this three month supplies runs out, I already got another three months set up for you. And if you ever run out, just ask. And I'm like, my heart's pounding. Like I'm like getting goosebumps from hearing him say this. I'm like, like you have no idea what this means to me and everyone else who I'm going to tell this story. I was like, thank you so much for being a sponsor. He's like, sponsor. I just want to help, man. You don't got to do anything for me. I just, I just love seeing you, your, your mentality and how you're tackling this diabetes thing. All the people I, I, I um, have as clients or patients, they all, when I say di- uh, diabetic, they're like, excuse me, I'm a person with diabetes. And they kind of run away with that title. Me and me, he's like, and you, like your whole thing is like, you're, I'm a diabetic. I don't care. I'm going to go in here. I'm going to do my job. And he's like, he's like, I just, I love the strength you have in uh, being open with your situation and not running from it. And like, those are really kind words as well. And it kind of really made me think of like, I do do that, don't I? You know, so it was, that was one of the biggest moments of my life because for the past 10 years of it, I've been hearing the exact opposite. I mean, even with all the success you've had, this must be such a weight lifted off your shoulders. Like what a sigh of relief that this must be for you, right? Oh yes. It's a sigh of relief for me, my fiance, you know, the other person who's constantly making me say, hey, you checking your blood sugars, you know, you do this, like, hey, you know, like when I forget, it's like late at night, she's the one who's like, hey, what's your blood sugar? I'm like, oh, shoot, yeah, let me go check it. Like, you know, so it's it's a big relief for me, my fiance, my mom, like like everyone. And like, they're just so happy for me. And and uh, it's, it's finally coming full circle, like you said earlier. So how do we keep this momentum moving forward on October 3rd, Jordan, against a game opponent, fellow newcomer in Nasruddin Imanov? How do you get this done on Fight Island? Oh, I'm going to pressure him, pressure him in his face. Um, I'm getting that knockout in round one or round one or three. I feel like um, that's what I want. I want to get that knockout performance of the night check, or you know, I'll, I'll you know, if that doesn't happen in round one, I'm I'll be I'll be just fine with the performance of the night double bonus and a, and a fight of the night for, for knocking them out in the third. You know, that's how I see it. That's why I want it to play out, and I'm I'm aligning I'm aligning my mentality for those stars to to line up just like that and. I'm going to pressure him. <clears throat> He's going to have his UFC jitters. I don't even know if I had mine, the, I mean, the first fight in, in, at Contender Series because now Contender Series is literally exactly like UFC fights. There's no crowd, you know, and and I just want to let you know that whether there's a crowd there or not, you still get those jitters. You're in UFC. There's Bruce, there's Bruce Buffer right there. There's Dana White over there. You're nervous. I don't care who you are for your first time in there. And now at a point where your emotions and, the, and those UFC jitters are the lo- at the loudest points in your head, in your mind, you don't have the crowd to silence them. Some people use that crowd to silence like, oh, yeah, these people are cheering my name. OK, yeah, I could do this. Or like, oh, this is a big moment, you know, like and they're thinking about the crowd instead of they're like, oh, I'm jittery. Like, nah, he ain't going to have that. Well, has he ever has he ever even fought in a crowdless uh, arena? This will be my fourth time doing it. 
So I'm confident. I'm confident that if I keep that forward pressure, all those fears and jitters that he's going to have are going to just be a stronger voice if I if I just play off him. Are you going to go for the buffer fist bump? <laughs> I mean, you know, thanks for reminding me. Like, I'm going to try to do something more creative. Okay. <laughs> 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 now I have to be There's watching for it. There. But, you know, I mean, at that point, all right. I might have uh, – I don't think I'll have jitters, but I will be like, oh, Spruce Buffer. And I might like get – like froze like – and forget the the cool thing I'm going to do different than the fist bump. But, you know, if it ends up being a fist bump, whatever. I got I got to meet Bruce Buffer, and he's, he's finally going to um, announce – like do the announcement, uh, the pre-announcement for my fight, which is a dream that's been in everyone's mind. I Like, you know, Joe Rogan's not going to be there, I don't think, but, you know, Anik – and uh, what's uh, Paul uh, Fieldman or Felder. Uh, or Felder? Yeah, he's gonna be there. Both great commentators. Just the, I forget the third party, but you know it's gonna be great. You know it's gonna be good uh, to just finally, you know, just be at that stage, man. Because I was at that stage the last three fights, but not really. So now I'm there, and it just feels good. I'm gonna, I'm gonna use this good feeling and see how me get that KO knockout victory come October third. Like, like like we discussed, and last thing for me before we let you go, you know, twenty twenty has just been just such a, a chaotic year between COVID and you know, there's 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 just so mm-hmm. much divisiveness around the country. It's even found its way into our sport more recently because of Colby mm-hmm. and, and and some of the comments he made. Uh, Do you, I mean, what, what did you on. think of that? Because like I know you haven't officially made that walk yet. You're about to, but you know, what have you mm-hmm. made of, of this divisiveness getting more and more prevalent in the sport and, and some of the things that have been said, because it's, it, it's gotten, it's gotten past the line here where it's, it's, it's a little uncomfortable. It's only making my fire bigger, man. Um, my dad was uh, a full African American. I'm half black. My other half is split between uh, Filipino, German, and a couple of mixes. So um, the black lives matters movement is, a big deal for me. And I've witnessed um, how my dad has been treated as a black man and how I've been treated as a black man, as just even a, a, a biracial or a mixed racial man. And it only brings it only brings fire to me. Fire so, so hard sometimes. It's like, I just can't help but tear up and water up. It's just like, I'm fighting for my people. I'm fighting for me. I'm fighting for my dad, you know? I'm trying to just make his life better, my life better. And, uh, you know, it's just like, just to hear people like that, that don't even that that you know that don't even uh, acknowledge or know the privilege that they've had or just reject that they don't like to hear that they've had an easier life. Well, so they don't, dude, Kobe, you did. You had a fucking easy life compared to us. I don't care what you say, what you think, you know. And and that's why you know that's why a lot of people, while a lot of us are fighters and athletes and stuff, because that's our only ticket out of, out of our hellhole. So it's only bringing fire. It's only bringing fire to me right now to shut everyone up, and um, and also. You know, or just shut everyone up so that they can listen to the injustice that's being done right now and actually listen to that white silence or any silence. It's not white people. It could be Asian people who are rejecting it. Anything. Like, like, you know, I just want the silence to stop. And I'm so happy that people are speaking up. And, you know, uh, I get I, I still, like, you know, you talk about Breonna Taylor, what happened to her, George Floyd. I, it's not an easy conversation for me to talk about, you know, and I, I get really. You know, I, I watched Angela Hill talk about it in one of her um, pre-fight uh, interviews, and it was so touching and how she attacked the situation and how punctual and just 
her, she was with her words, not late with any thought. And uh, it just really motivated me, motivated me to try to be uh, like, to do a similar representation of my people on that platform. Just a hell of a story that man has. Jordan Williams, finally in the UFC, three shots on the Contender Series. Arguably, <laughs> bless you. Thank you. My son just sneezed. Arguably should, should have gotten signed after all three of his Contender Series appearances. But listen, he's there now, chugged away, made it happen. And now he debuts in the Octagon this Saturday as we get ready to wrap things up here on what the heck we do have one more guest another big winner from saturday night at ufc 253 we will get to that momentarily to close out episode number 27 of what the heck so thank you all for watching and listening make sure you subscribe wherever you partake to the program and also check out the rest of our great content a side on to the next one between the links we got preview and post shows weigh-in shows all that good stuff and uh some more things are in the works as well so get ready for that our man Jose Young's in Abu Dhabi for all of your weigh-in and scrum coverage, so be on the lookout for that. Like I said, thanks to all of you guys. Big thank you to Casey Lyon on the production. Once again, Esther Lynn, the legend, on the graphics and all the cool stuff she does behind the scenes. And in the meantime, we're going to wrap up the show with my chat with William the Nightmare Knight following his win over Alexa Kamer at UFC 253. Here it is, and as always, have a heck of a week, everybody. William Knight is back on the show this time with his first UFC victory under his belt, picking up a unanimous decision win over Alexa Kamer this past weekend at UFC 253. Also, some battle scars. Look at that eye, William. How are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. It's pretty cool. I like this. I like how it looks. <laughs> yes. So I, I have to tell you because, you know, we discussed this fight a little bit on our preview show, and I said essentially – I don't know who's going to win, but rest assured, William is going to be in trouble at some point in this fight because that's how it goes with all of your fights. But compared to like some of your past appearances, yeah, there was a tricky spot when he had your back, but this wasn't as bad for you as some of those past ones, was it? Nah, I gave my back up for that split moment so I can get the, the fight onto where I wanted it to. So when I gave my back up, I already knew that the lock, there was nothing to hold. But usually a person would figure for my body, but I have such a wide frame. It's hard to figure for. So when I gave my neck, I'm like, I'm not in no danger. I already have one of the arms. Like I, I got this. I, I got this. I, I've been here before worse with Jamil and these bigger guys. I'm like, I got this, you know, trust me. Like, I wouldn't put myself in a situation I haven't been getting out of or I would have trouble getting out. I'm sitting there watching it and I'm like, I don't know if, I don't think easy is the right word because easy is not, I mean, it's just the wrong word because Alexa is a tough customer, but because you weren't in much danger for this fight, was it in a way like almost a breath of fresh air more than anything? Is it safe to say that this fight went smoother than the others have been in the past? All my fights go smooth, man. Like I'm a child of abuse. So when you think about hitting, when I'm getting hit, like, it doesn't bother me that I get hit. I, I grew up being abused by like as a child and I'm not saying by my grandmother cause it was never her or when I lived with her, she saved me, but I was in foster care and I had a stepdad and shit like that. I was bullied in school. I was hit, I was punched, kicked, burned with cigarettes from my foster parents, shit like that. Like you got to think about what pain is. 
I have a very high tolerance for pain and I have a very high tolerance to withstand punishment. So it's like, why do people say I'm in danger? But when Justin Gaethje's fighting and getting slammed on, he keeps coming forward and fucking shit up. And he's he's looked at as a savage. Like, he's a beast. He got a chin on him. I do, too. I got a chin on me. I, I can withstand punishment. I could put myself in dangerous positions and get out. Like, I wouldn't put myself in a situation where I, I knew that I couldn't get out of. Like, wrestling teaches you ring awareness, mat awareness, body awareness, like... Wrestling is iconic for any person to step in that cage. Like my my style is wrestling and Muay Thai. Jiu-Jitsu comes second and then like boxing and brawling comes second nature. But Muay Thai is first and wrestling is first. So like I love it. I love it, man. All the fights I've ever been in, um, I win. I get my hand raised. Like <laughs> I get my hand raised. One one amateur fight went to decision that I feel like I won, and then my first professional loss was an early stoppage. Like those those were not deemed as anything like severe. Like yo, you've been knocked the fuck out, or you've been choked the fuck out. One was by judges that they feel I lost, and the other one was an early stoppage by a ref who thought I was in danger. <laughs> Me in danger. The guy who loves danger. When we talked before the fight, you discussed having sort of a chip on your shoulder heading in because you felt that when Alexa was doing his pre-fight stuff for the Contender Series, he looked in the camera, talked about the 205-pound division, and in a in a weird way, you thought he was he was speaking down towards you a bit. It seems to be like the New England MMA way to find those chips. Like Calvin Cater talks about finding chips wherever he can find them all the time. Is that something that you typically do? Or is this something that you're going to do moving forward now that you had one with Alexa? Cause I don't remember like with the Cody fight, you really needing a chip. You just, you know, nah, ready to take that next step. I was, I was pissed off after hearing his interviews saying that he was going to be too much for me. And he felt that he had everything that he needs. His wrestling's better than mine. The whole nine. And I sit here like, Meanwhile, in my interviews, I'm showing you respect and you're here sitting here trying to say otherwise. And I'm like, nah, bro. Like in that warm-up room, if seeing that 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 pre-fight stuff, I was getting pissed. I was like, yo, nah, I'm gonna murder this dude when I get out there. Like, yo, I try to stay away from social media so I don't have to hear this shit. But right before I walk out, I hear him talking like that, saying that he 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 has the advantage, his striking, wherever it goes, he feels he has the upper hand. Everyone has the upper hand till you step in there with me. My strength is unheard of. Like, I have strength, power, speed. Like, I have it all when I'm ready to display it. There's one little thing I haven't unlocked yet is, like, the confidence in my striking. I know my striking can kill people. Like, but I just need to get to that confident area where I'm like, all right, I could throw and destroy people because trust me when I tell you, my coach is telling me, yo, when you find that happy place so you can display more striking and stop being so nice and stop worrying about hurting people in the cage, you're going to be dangerous. He, he stresses it every fight. He stresses it. And I sit here and I'm like, yeah, but there, this is a kid. He's younger than me. He has, he has a family to feed. I need him to live to fight another day. And then he tells me, he's like, they don't think that about you. They're in there to destroy you. But that little, that, that little nice version of me is still in there. Like, 
Hulk when he goes into his mode and then Scarlett Johansson is like telling him about the sun wherever calming him down. I have that calm in me. If that calm ever goes away, trust me, I'm going to be a very violent monster. I'm going to be destroying people. Like Rampage, man, that big old Rampage. How close are we to that point? Because, I mean, you don't, it doesn't seem like you, you need it right now. I mean, one, one moment that stood out in the fight that, like, everybody talked about was he got a takedown on you, and then you put him in, like, a side headlock, and then you completely turned him over. Like, old-school professional wrestling, in a way. It's like you see, like, at the beginning of a match when there's some chain wrestling. You just completely grunt-overpowered him and flipped him on his back, and the fight never was the same again. That was just crazy. How close do you think you are from unleashing that that actual ferocious nightmare upon these fighters. If you've seen, if you've seen at the end of the first round, there's one thing when I threw the double kick, I threw a kick and then I jumped and kick and he blocked it, but he smiled. Then you see in the end of the round where I start going, going in with the combination, like it was a jab hook, uppercut hook. I started going in just for the end. And then I stood there and stared at him and he was like, good round. It triggered then. Cause I thought he was like, mocking me when he smiled and then my coach was like no he smiled because you heard him i was like oh, oh. <laughs> that's what that's like <laughs> yeah, i was like oh i'm like i thought he was smiling at me because i didn't hurt him he was like nah a lot of guys will smile when they're hurt to act like it's poker face but they're hurt i was like oh, all right he's like just can't do what you did that end of that round and you'll be fine i was like all right <laughs> so that must have made you feel good then right yeah, I got poked in the eye, and that's what changed the, the the um, it changed the whole momentum of the fight. For two rounds, I couldn't see out my left eye, but I wasn't gonna tell nobody that because I wanted to keep fighting. Did anything surprise you in the fight from Alexa, or did this go the way you expected it to go from the jump? So surprisingly, his output that surprised me. His output wasn't there like it was for past fights from what I heard and it was like his output I was expecting some spinning kicks tricky shit flying knees just crazy shit from what my coach was telling me because I don't look up my opponents and overhands to takedowns and none of that happened I don't know what happened or what what triggered in the fight but you know I'm a I, I like the I like dog fights you can hit me with everything in the kitchen sink I'm gonna keep coming forward this fight game, especially with what your last couple of months have been like, you know, it comes with a lot of sacrifices. You're missing events. One of the things you talked about was like around right after the contender series fight, you're flying home, getting ready to hit some family gatherings and some cookouts. And then this fight comes along, you're missing birthdays, et cetera. Like it must feel so good for you to be home and take somewhat of a load off after all this time, just going from one fight to a fight camp into another fight and traveling around the world. Can't use that word fight camp when it comes to William Knight, man. I've been training the past four years consistently. No camp, no fight announced, no fight that I know of coming up. I'm still training. So what happened was actually I came back home now and I'm still on my diet and grinding because I actually hope I get this November 28th fight. If that happens, then we'll be straight. But if it doesn't, then whatever. I'll just be ready for whenever they call. There's also a December card, so. So you're already, you're already back at the gym? No no rose smelling whatsoever? Just right back after it? Nah, man, not back at the gym because, you know, I got to wait for this COVID test to clear me. That's right. But I've been running and shit and chilling and shadow boxing and just 
letting everything settle in. But trust me, my mind is still training. Trust me. You like to eat those foods after these fights, though. Are we staying away from all the fun stuff that is so dangerous to us all? I mean, <laughs> I mean in, the, in the light of things, I mean, I try to do everything by the book. I try to follow through everything and make sure everybody's safe and sound, you know, because at the end of the day, I can't be a selfish fighter and ruin everybody else's chances. That's a good good way to look at it. How did you uh, in, enjoy the Fight Island experience? And, and then on top of that, just being part of this card with Adesanya, seeing a new champion in your division crowned in Jan Blachowicz, what was that whole experience like for you? That experience was crazy, man. Like, I was in first class with Izzy and Dominic Reyes and, and um, Diego Sanchez and um, Hakeem. And I forgot that girl's name. She fought, but she lost by a decision. So, Jar Eubanks? Yeah, Eubanks. I was in first class with them and like two or three, maybe two, two of Izzy's teammates that fought on that card. So, I'm sitting there with, with these high-end guys and I'm sitting here like, wow, this is crazy. I'm like, Izzy's right there. Dominic's right there. Like, Diego Sanchez right there. Eubanks is right next to me. You got, you got, um, me and Hakeem next to me and I got Izzy's teammate in front of me. I'm like, yo, this is crazy. Everywhere I look is raw talent, like high level guys. And I'm sitting here like I'm making my UFC debut. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sitting here quiet like a mouse. And then you got dudes like Izzy and stuff saying, yo, you might be the biggest and scariest dude on the card. Like I ain't trying to wake you up. Like they joke around having fun. Like that joke is crazy. Man, so that must have been really cool. Because, I mean, you know, you're the new kid on the block. It's, you know, it's a little overwhelming at times being around these guys. But once you started loosening up a little bit and they started talking to you, it must have been the best flight ever. Man, I look at everybody as equal. So when I seen them, I dapped them up. The second I seen them, I pressed the I'm like, gave them dap, gave Dominic Reyes dap. I gave these guys dap. What up? How you doing? What's, what's good? Like, and then after my fight, they were like, yo, you did amazing at your fight, yo. Like, People be sleeping because you big, you got endurance, like don't got endurance. I got little dudes like fighting at 125, 135, 155 telling me I got more endurance than them. Like that shit's rewarding. They're like, yo, you got more endurance than me, man. I thought you were going to gas after the first round, but you you went in there and looked like you never even got into a fight. I'm like, yeah, other than my eye. Like, yeah, man. So sometimes, I mean, sometimes when you have these decision wins, especially in your case where you're the new guy in the block and people can only, you know, see what they see before they actually watch you fight, it was almost in a weird way, like beneficial for you to go the full three because now they could see that you got that cardio and you have that ability uh, yeah. to go the full I 15. Go, I was ready to keep going. I, I come from a championship status. So you got to realize I held a championship belt in three or four promotions at a time as a light heavyweight. So. I'm, I always train to go five rounds. Ever since I started, I asked my coach what the rounds were. I've never stopped training five five-minute rounds, even as an amateur. Hence why those three minutes were like, a, like he would say I would have like a slow start. is because of how I pace myself through the rounds. And now I'm starting to understand that I can actually go out there, go crazy for three, four rounds, five rounds, and still not get tired for some reason. In the process of you think I'm gassing out, a second wind hits in and my body goes numb. My freaking nerves go cold. My body gets this shiver. And then 
I'm like, nothing ever happened. I don't know why that happens to me, but it does. So you mentioned November 28th. You want to be on the same card with, with your teammate, Parker Porter, who's also going to be competing there. Yeah. Has, has the UFC expressed interest in this idea? Have they talked to you or Tyson about it? Do you feel like this is going to happen? I hope it happens. Um, Tyson, Tyson's talking to them. We'll see what happens. If it doesn't happen, then I told him to shoot for December. But other than that, it's like, oh, I got to sit down. Other than that, I'm sitting here like, man, I just want to get one more in before the year ends, at least one more. So if we're looking at November 28th of December, is there, is there anybody that sticks out to you? I mean, Kamer was the guy you wanted heading into that contender series fight. You mentioned it, you didn't say his name, but you were like the guy that fought Fabio. That's the guy I want to fight in my debut. And that's the fight you got. What do you want next on the other side of the octagon? Do you have an idea with that? Whoever, whoever they offer me, man, whatever fight makes sense to start climbing this ladder. Like, don't matter to me, man. If we wait both wait two oh five, let's get it done. What about the rematch with uh Tafan and Sh- uh and Chukwi, I think is the Yeah, name. everybody everybody wants that fight, but when you watch the fight you see that it wasn't no it wasn't a stoppage like everyone thought. Like Yeah, I agree. I was I wasn't TKO'd, I wasn't hit, I wasn't defenseless or none of that. So you sit here and look at it like, you know what? These two will meet again, so let them both get into, like, top 15 and then have them fight where it really matters because either I fight them for the belt, I fight them for an intern belt just in case because I know they do intern, or I'm going to fight them top 15 where that shit's going to matter the most. I fight them now, I guarantee you I'm going to fight them a third time. So It don't matter to me. I I trained to fight. Like, I was in no danger that fight. More um, props to him. It got him to where he is today. I'm happy that that somebody got somewhere, you know, fighting me, you know. So happy congratulations to him, his skill. He got that head kick knockout on contender series. And hopefully he has his UFC debut also soon. So the New England cartel continues to grow and we see Tyson and Calvin and Rob Font and all the magazine covers and all the music videos. They're all over the place. Where are you? Like when? When can we get you in these photo shoots? I think I feel like you're you're getting there. The New England cartel is those guys, man. I'm I'm a part of the Ambu Black Ops, man. <laughs> you guys gotta understand. Look at Naruto. Look up the Ambu Black Ops. The Ambu Black Ops are the the guys that they send out for special missions. I'm the one you never heard about. I'm the one that moves in the shadows and gets the job done. And then when it's said and done, you're like, what the fuck happened? That's me. <laughs> That's a great way to look at it. Uh, Last thing before we let you go, I I do want to ask you about this, if you don't mind, because there have been some comments made recently by Colby Covington with Tyron Woodley, with Kamaru Usman, and Colby's done some media talking about it. And he said, one one of the things that the MMA journalists have done wrong with this is they've asked fighters to give their takes on it. But none, like no one's really approached American fighters about it. It's Israel and Leon Edwards and, and fighters of that nature. But Colby said, we're not asking American fighters about that. Maybe they feel differently. Have you heard Colby's comments? And if so, what do you make of all of this? I mean, Colby, I don't know the guy. So I, I don't know what to think of him. Like, he's, he, he could support Trump. I'm not against anybody who supports Trump or doesn't support Trump. Like, at the end of the day, I'm me. He said some stuff that rubbed me the wrong ways when he started speaking on the man's religion. Like, 
he started speaking on his religion and stuff. Like you don't speak on another man's religion. You don't speak on their beliefs and then sit here and try and be like, oh, I'm a good guy. I'm a good person. That's one line you don't cross. You don't speak on people's family or their religion. So I don't care what kind of sport you're in. You don't understand how religion holds people together. You don't understand how people's family function that helps has a person functioning throughout time. So when you sit here, you can't be like, oh, his wife or his kids or his his religion and shit. Like that's the only thing that sticks out and bothers me. Like saying woke athletes, that's another thing that was stupid. Like it's not about being woke. It's about African Americans or minorities standing up to the justice system. The justice system isn't fair. We know this. This is for years. So they bring it to attention. You want them to shut up about it. But ask ask Kobe this. If if you can if you can switch and be black for the rest of your life, would you do it? Would you be a black man for the rest of your life? I guarantee you his answer will be no. Ask him that question. You ever talk to him? Ask him if he would switch the life he lives now and switch and be a black man for the rest of his life. Ask him that question and tell me what the answer would be. That's to show you what kind of person he is. He's not he's not true of nature and humble. Like I'll talk to any and everybody. If you guys want to talk to me, cool. I'm going to talk to you. You know why? Because at the end of the day, somebody can relate to my story and I can change their life. You know how many times I thought about suicide and stuff because I was bullied or molested and things like that? Instead, I sat here and took a stand for myself and stood up for something. And now I have people that have been through what I've been through. They inbox me every day saying thank you. Or they, I can't say no names how... They, they they were ready to out themselves and then my story inspired them to do better. He's the type of motherfucker that you don't want to talk to. Anyways, he's, he sounds like an asshole. Then you got me right here ready to talk to any and everybody because you don't know whose life you can change. The same life you change can spawn a kid now that can save your kid and become a doctor years from now. You don't know what you can do. Life is about full circle, man. And I'm about giving, man. I never had shit growing up. I had whatever my grandmother can afford and support me with. But at the end of the day, there's no greater cause than to give time. Time, man. Talk to somebody. You don't know what life you can change. People commit suicide every day. People people are ready to take their lives away. You don't know one thing that you can say to that person that can save your life, man. Trust me. Well, I got goosebumps right now. That's the perfect way to, to end this thing. William, congratulations, man. Incredible performance on Saturday. And uh, hopefully you get on that November 28th card and, and share that moment with your teammate, man. All the best to you. And hopefully we hear some news soon. Definitely, man. Thanks. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.